thought is free. From the age of big brother, from the age of the dog from a dead man, greetings. Coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control. And this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging respiratory virus threats, NERVTAG, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You, you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further. And I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public. Um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure. I just say, as I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. 
They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Go, go, go. Oh, the camera's killing me. Do it. Is it going to work? Yes, there we go. All right. Uh, welcome, welcome, everyone. And uh, today, the uh, doc doesn't have to plan the stream. I'm going to be interviewed, and I want to shout out to Ormando, uh, keeping the keeping the stream and the fight alive. And uh, what uh, what is new? Um, well, I, what I can do is give an update uh, about Charles. And so... He's going to be maintained in the hospital until they get a handle on uh, his uh, blood pressure. And the uh, um, they're taking it more seriously now, which is a good thing. And um, we're waiting on the results of a stress test. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that um, everything will get resolved. There's uh, There's no... Uh, no immediate cause for concern, and the you know, luckily he was on the uh, the gurney when he was having these uh, blood pressure fluctuations, etc. And um, so they know that he's uh, it, it's not uh, or it's something that should be paid attention to. So uh, in this respect, I'm. Uh, well, I, I, I think it's good news and I think, um, he's going to get, uh, somewhat better care than he has been doing over the last few weeks. So, uh, the prayers worked, Coons, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, let's see. So, um, someone in there, yeah, CM Gith was saying, uh, rest your discs, never let them cut off the facets. Uh, there's no bone surgery involved. Uh, if I go, if I go for this procedure, I've decided to go for an updated, uh, MRI just to see, well, just to see if there's any radical changes to, 
the, the obvious problems that were there in the last one. And uh, yeah, it, it's a, it seems like a almost miracle type procedure compared to how they would usually treat back injuries. The only issue being that I have to do it through a private clinic, which is, oh God, it's, it's a lot of money. And, um, well, it's a lot. In, in the scheme of things, it's about 5,000, a bit more than $5,000 to have it done. And I don't know, <laughs> I mean, it'll clear me out, but, uh, if there's a chance that, uh, I'm sitting here and not, not feeling like uh, I've got hot pokers uh, sticking into my lower spine. I'm inclined to do it. Anyway, so what are we going to be doing today? I'm going to be interviewed uh, by, let me just catch her name, it was uh, uh, Carlene Tamik for uh, People for People podcast. Uh, they wanted to speak to me after the, uh, the stream I did about Prion Killshot and... Um, yeah, we'll see what uh, discussion they have to say. She's uh, acquainted with uh, our, uh, what should we say, another one of our mystical shamans, Bruce McDonald, down in Costa Rica. Um, this is going out on sort of syndicated uh, radio, etc. And so yeah, we'll see how it goes. And um, what else? Uh, as we sort of fill in the fill in the time here. Well, you know, what I've, what I've noticed is that prions are starting to uh, really begin to emerge in the, uh, the public consciousness. And it's kind of fascinating to watch. And I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit, I'm not the type of person who said, oh, I was, I was doing that first, etc. I, I mean, in terms of sort of scientific output, it, it comes down to the people who write and publish the papers. They're the ones that go to the effort. And, you know, all I'm doing is uh, relaying my own experiences, expertise, and trying to translate the, uh, the, well, the, the investigations that are coming out where people have um, gone through the orthodox publishing systems, uh, that is something that I'm no longer interested in doing. I'm uh, leery, leery of contributing to a system that I think is generally broken and compounding a lot of the uh, the issues that we we're currently facing and so look I, I if, if i want to be remembered for anything it's for the the work i did on uh neuropsychiatric disorders trying to help kids etc this uh this bio-warfare stuff uh, i don't mind rolling up my sleeves and getting in the fight etc but it's not i don't think the academic domain is really the place to be uh having that battle as it were because uh the dose are, uh, the dose <laughs> the dice are going to be loaded against you as uh, as you try to sort of take on a system and basically you, you you're going to be moving into other researchers areas where they do consider themselves experts in that in that domain and as much as i have um a, a lot of hands-on experience with neurodegeneration um the, the simple fact is i've no i don't have a 
track record of publishing in that domain. And I'm I'm loath to go back to an academic environment. Now, in, in the current circumstances, I think, well, it could be interesting. We have a lot of, um, uh, how should we say, a lot of new directions um, with respect to neuroscience. And um, it, it would be a good time uh, if you're a young researcher and you want to try and make a name for yourself. Uh, prions certainly seems to be uh, the future particularly in a domain where, or, or, or an age where the molecular biology tools are becoming so good that, you know, we had the paper that we did last week. Uh, where was it? Um, What's that title? Transcript errors generate a continuous stream of amyloid and prion-like proteins in human cells. And this is... A, a massive leap forward and you know this is coming on the back of multiple multiple studies which are building this picture of gene transfection being a awful awful approach to trying to manage public health um the, the prion prion factor has not been oh, there we go it's the start of the interview uh, let's do this um. Hello. Hello. How are we doing, Kevin? Uh, I'm good. How are you guys? Again. All, all good here. And you can hear me. Okay. Yeah. 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 We. You. You're coming across. Maybe it's just my end, but um, could you give me Library a. Now. Do it again, sound check, please. One, two. Uh, let me just try and bump you up a little bit. I can turn my box up. Um, if you could do that, that might be useful. How's that now? Do it again. How is that now? Uh, perfect. Let me just do it a little bit my end and I think we'll be good to go. Um, okay. Let's do this and do this. Okay, I think we should be good. So... I am a fidget ass. Oh, 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 me I'm too. Me too. I, I'm... <laughs> how would you say? Just... I'm, I'm a chair rocker or pen <laughs> pen or anything that's in my hands uh, I'm, yeah, I'm always sort of moving it awesome I, yeah do you, are you autistic i'm autistic no <laughs> but I, I i've been called many things but not autistic oh uh, okay i'm just wondering if it's the same same thing i'm i'm labeled autistic and adhd yeah i was um i was labeled uh hyperactive child when i was growing up um and ah it's it's more you know i wasn't fit for classrooms as a kid where you're supposed to sort of sit down and um i wanted to be out running playing football riding my bike etc and 
Um, it's not not until I reached adulthood and realised, oh, they were actually trying to help me <laughs> learn stuff and uh, or dumb you or dumb you down. Uh, well, there's uh, of course there's some of that. There's um, a well, it's it's control, right? Schools tie you down. Mm. Where are you located, Kevin? Uh, I'm in Japan. Okay. And uh, I can I can hear from uh, those accents that you're uh, how should we say uh, UK UK Scotland and I want to say uh, the South almost London Town. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I I was born in Croydon. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's... I went to a pub. Do you mind? I went to a public school, so I can put on a voice if I need to. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm as common as Mark me. Uh, same, same. That's uh, that's <laughs> part of uh, how I sort of present myself for people. There's a lot of how should we say <laughs> pseudo intellectuals wearing shirt and tie and um, doing the uh, the trained academic approach and i think that that system is rotten and the the how to, how to I, I wanted to sort of speak to people from the background that i came uh, i came from um because yeah. i always i always feel they're the ones that get shafted in uh, especially events like we've seen over the last four years and um you know i I, they, they need someone to explain <laughs> what's going on onto them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, ladies and gents, shall we get the show on the road? So I'm going to ask you about that as well. Right, sure. Yes. Shall we? Shall we do it? Yeah, shall. Let's go. And if you want to, if you want to hang about afterwards, Kevin, we can get a little chat. Um, sure, I'm happy to. Uh, I've cleared my schedule and um, your. Uh, you just have my PFP, undivided attention. Yeah, just for PFP. That was very good of you. Mm. Okay. Caroline, have a good show. Kevin, have a good show. Here we go. Live in three, two, one. You're live now. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome back to the show. I hope you all had a good holiday. Um, I was working <laughs> for my holiday. I had Christmas Day off and the rest of the time I've been working. Um, so I've been running around like a crazy woman trying to get questions together for my guest this evening. So everything's kind of lastminute.com. Um, I've not actually spoken to my guest this evening before. I don't know a lot about him. Um, so I'm kind of coming in a little bit blind this evening. Um, but I'm looking forward to having a really interesting conversation. Um, and picking his brains because he's got a lot, apparently. So I've heard. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, you'll hear other people uh, claim otherwise. But <laughs> <laughs> so, without further ado, good evening, Dr. Kevin McCann. Mm, good evening. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, Carleen. How are you? I'm good, thank you. A bit, yeah, hanging from too many clients at the minute. Okay, so first first question to you is, um, so as a lad who grew up on a council estate, how did you get into 
neuroscience. Mm. Did you or was it? Did you always want to analyze brains, or did life just happen that way? Well, just just for accuracy, um, um, my house was next to the council. Next to the council. Next okay. to the council. Uh, so all my friends and uh, we grew up on uh, <laughs> on the friends in that environment and you know this was back in the 70s and 80s and uh, it was a different time back then and um to be well as we were, as we were saying uh, prior to the start i i wasn't scholastic as a child uh, i i didn't want to go to school i i had far more other interesting things to do which was i wanted to be out and about and um I left school as um, as quickly as I could. Uh, you could leave school at sixteen back then, and um, I just well at that point I was uh, a little a, a wayward a wayward teenager. And, uh, I was going to say you're a bit of a tear away. <laughs> yeah, um, my reputation precedes me in that respect, and um, the well because of the it wasn't you know compared to the full spectrum of what does happen to people and, and you know it wasn't it wasn't too bad it was enough to sort of turn me around that i had um parents that were wanting the best for me and the i i i'd sort of gone through the well working in factories and uh, i don't know how old you are but before amazon and uh, the internet age we used to have uh, mail order catalogs and uh, i used to work uh, in the freeman's catalog i don't know if you remember freeman's i do remember freeman's catalog yeah, <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i'm that old <laughs> yeah and um i was working from there from 16 and actually a lot of what sort of um made me have to think about changing direction was like because of the job that i was doing they used to, I just used to unload the trucks, right, that would bring back returns. One day I was trying to get a washing machine onto a pallet. I'd done it hundreds of times already, and um, my back just it, it sort of blew out. And um, I had to sort of navigate after then and sort of go back, go back to school. And in this time, because I realized the importance of it i paid attention i did well ended up at uh, edinburgh university and got into and why would i why was i aiming for things like neuroscience well you know part of my wayward uh, teenage years i i i used to like dabbling in uh, and the rave scene and mm-hmm. um, psychedelics etc and I, I had a keen interest in how the mind could um, change state so radically and uh, change your perception. So I, I, I kind of was interested in that. And then, um, you know, as you go for university, you mature a bit. And then I, I tended towards um, clinical neuroscience. And uh, then, you know, the, the rest is history. I became a um, primate. Well, I used primates in my research, um, developed the first non-human primate model of Tourette syndrome OCD uh, for treatment with a procedure called deep brain stimulation where they'll 
basically put a little hole in your skull, electrodes, and it was a treatment from that was initially used for Parkinson's. And the idea was that maybe we could use it for neuropsychiatric and Tourette-like disorders. And so I was the first to sort of establish that as a, establish the model and show that there was uh, at least a basic preclinical um, reason and support for being able to go in and modulate these circuits for more complex brain regions like your limbic emotional processing executive processing and um it it, it worked but um it's it's a treatment of last resort basically and uh as i was you know i developed um i thought i would always be doing that and but then life has different uh has has surprises for you right when you think you're um uh you're all stabilized and everything and um i have my own lab and the oh it was my fault but i had a relatively bad head injury and that sort of put me out for a few years and then covid started that got me and as covid started i realized very early on that it looked very uh it, it it wasn't the story they were telling us it wasn't um wet markets etc and to cut to the chase uh, after many people have sacrificed um their time um and much more we now know that what sars was is a consequence of biowarfare research and something called medical countermeasures and this basically was were programs that were initiated after 9-11 after the anthrax attacks and if anyone's familiar with that anthrax attacks they tried to claim it was um muslims with a, with a, terrorists, wasn't it? <laughs> terrorists, wasn't it? well that's what they tried to claim but the issue was that the anthrax that was used had come from Fort Detrick, which is uh, one of the U.S.'s main biowarfare research laboratories. So it obviously come uh, from within state or, or deep state actors, I would say. And, you know, what was the consequences of 9-11 was that we just got pulled into uh, essentially forever wars in the Middle East. And I'm, well, we, we should probably dig into it into some detail as we go through the stream but um people should be cognizant of the fact that again we're seeing a as you say a, a build-up of geopolitical pressure in that environment and i would i will try and make the argument that they've initiated a new phase of that war 9-11 was the start of it They've used biological warfare agents to push people into the current state that we find ourselves. And you're going to basically see escalating war like we have in Europe, now probably the Middle East. And uh, the simple fact is that, um, in the words of Smedley Butler, war is a racket. And there are people that just 
you get rich off the misery. And I tried to speak out about that and tried to explain to people the next-gen warfare we uh, bio-warfare weapons that they're using against you, including psychological warfare. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that, like, the the um, maybe the heightened aggression or the heightened programming is is because of bioweapons? Um, yes. Yes. I'm fairly convinced, well, 99% convinced that authorities knew what it was that they were dealing with. We have transcripts of their telephone calls now because of foyers, etc. They or they were all talking about lab origins, and the uh, they were they were saying one thing in private and another thing to the public. And this is this has all come out. I know people have sort of COVID fatigue, but there is still very much active investigations going on, and the. Oh, and, and from that moment, it cascaded into a number of um, very detrimental uh, trajectories, particularly for uh, the public, the uh, us, <laughs> us that yeah, uh, grew up on next to council estates, and yeah. and so you know, obviously, the big topic of discussion right now is around the vaccine approach that they used and i'm very very suspect particularly once you understand that this is biowarfare or a consequence of biowarfare medical countermeasures research that the type of countermeasure that they used in this instance was a brand new way of trying to induce immunity via using gene engineering tools to make the body uh, try to produce the peptides from that virus and yeah um we're we're i think we're going to be dealing with the consequences of that for a very long time yeah yeah me too actually mm. me too um so i want to get into um so do you feel like this is another second thing? So do you feel like the mutations and DNA damage is just through the vaccines that are coming in at the moment? Or do you think that it's a build up through like environmental factors? Um, I mean, it, has it been a long play? <laughs> yes, I think it's very much been a long play. Um, you can just look to the, the the toxic environments that just come from sort of modern living, whether it's through uh, the, the the destruction of um, people's diets and the uh, people relying on hyper-processed foods uh, genetically that come from genetically modified uh, plants, etc. And um, these are all uh, pressures that perhaps on their own wouldn't wouldn't be that bad but when you combine them with uh you know a failing medical system that i think yeah. uh, is apparent to everyone and the um and and direct assaults that you've had via them i know they'll i know they'll argue that say it wasn't really mandated for everyone but when you when you hold people's jobs to ransom and many people 
have to live uh, week to week. You can't afford to lose their, um, you know, their their temporary positions where they're essentially zero hour contracts, and you wait for the phone call to come in the morning to see if you're going to get a day of work. Um, that's the state into which they've uh, pulled many people, and most and most people were forced to get exposed um, again to uh, what I would consider proteins and peptides that very much have the stamp of uh, biowarfare on them. And so do you want to explain that? Go into that a little bit. What do you mean that they have the bio weapon sure. imprint? Can you explain that? Mm. What, what we look for as a bio weapon? Mm. So um, one of the immediate pieces of evidence that came out as SARS began, as I was with other scientists looking at um, the molecular makeup of SARS, there were a number of uh, signatures, particularly in the spike protein, that pointed towards genetic engineering. And there were a number of um, key, key signatures, especially like I say, at the beginning that came out that raised suspicion and caused people to um, argue that SARS had a synthetic origin. I think, um, and especially once you find out that it's definitely a consequence of biowarfare, medical countermeasures research, then the, uh, the molecular changes that have been made um, stand out. And there are... A, couple of key ones that people should be aware of. One is called the uh, variable loop region. And so if you just imagine the spike protein, essentially it looks, uh, I don't know, sort of like an inverted Christmas tree, right? And at, yes. the, at the top where it's trying to interface with cells, those variable loops are homologous to sequences from HIV. And um, this was published in a paper by an Indian group, uh, Pradnan Patel, and the what I would call narrative controllers, so the institutions that people were relying on, um, gaslit the public by saying, "Oh, these are hyper hyper variable regions, and it's just chance that they have um, any similarity to HIV." The problem is, is that when you do the uh, deeper analysis, what you find is that each one of the variable loops comes from a different clade of HIV um, viruses. And so, for just for brevity's sake, depending on where you are in the world, will depend on the type of HIV virus that you would be exposed to. And they had three, oh, maybe three, three loops, and they all and they overlapped with three different HIV strains. And once you sort of have an idea of the um, probabilities of that happening, it's um, essentially astronomical. So that that was yeah. already very suspect. And then there was another region which stood out for um, scientists like myself. It's an area called uh, the Furing Cleavage Site. This also has um, homology with HIV peptides. 
um, in this case. So the variable loops, if people want to sort of go and check this, they should look for HIV, GP120, and COVID, or SARS, and look into the research there. And then another um, envelope-type protein for, for HIV was found in an area called the furin cleavage site. And all that site is in terms of mechanism is is it allows the when the receptor binds to the cell it's an enzyme on the cell surface that can bind to that structure and basically cut it so that the protein can complete the infective cycle and enter the cell and it basically cuts away a uh, a, a portion of the spike protein called the S1 segment, and we'll get into how how important that segment is as we work through the uh, the mechanisms here. So, we had homology with GP40, uh, GP41, which is HIV in the furin cleavage site, but there was also a 12 nucleotide, meaning the genetic um, bases that code for amino acids had been inserted into that region and it basically contained um, codons so these are sequences of free nucleotides that are um, not they're very rare in viruses and very common with respect to gene engineering techniques and it sat right in the mid middle of this spike protein and um, it, it, like I say, once you know what you're looking at, this looks um, very. So the spike protein was a delivery system for yeah. the the gene yeah. intrusion. Mm. And the um, and so there was many. It was a very acrimonious um, discussion back and forth on. Well, across all platforms, and now we know through things like Twitter files, etc., that um, the institutes and you know the public servants that we pay basically had um, incredibly sophisticated narrative networks where they were trying to suppress independent voices like myself and other colleagues that I work with in trying to raise how important this. Um, this biology is. And so that debate about natural origin versus um, lab construct is still going on right now, but the, we're, we're essentially winning in that, in that domain. Um, but then this leads to the issue around, I, I don't like, well, I'll call them genetic vaccines rather than mm -hmm. just people trying to understand it in terms of uh, their usual or, 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 or historical vaccines that we'd used in the yeah. past, okay? Yeah, completely different. And so what, what, these, what these vaccine, genetic vaccines did, they essentially took the exact same nucleotide sequence of the spike protein wrap that in a lipid nanoparticle and then injected it essentially into billions of people. And that sequence that they put into that um, injection 
was uh, it was like for like and there were when i talk about epitopes i'm talking about short sections of the of the protein that makes up the spike the spike and they they already knew from you know previous research that there were there were problematic epitopes and they kept them in and so they forced your body to express them including hiv analogs and a bunch of other toxic epitopes that are overlap with something called so these are conotoxins conotoxins come from one of the most deadly animals on the planet which is a um a snail a deep sea snail and they use uh, toxins for hunting and they had very similar overlap with uh, toxins from these animals and i'm sure you've you may have heard about people saying oh there's venom in the water etc that type of um well again i would call that sort of narrative control that was them trying to muddy the waters again uh, yeah cuz looking in the wrong direction at a snake and it's 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 not that there is an overlap again with um snake toxins it's there but it was the way that it was presented to the people that oh they're pouring it into your water supply etc and uh, and so you're being fed bad information and then people will aggregate into camps and there's a number that you see right now that for example there are a bunch of people that think viruses don't exist uh they're, <laughs> you know, they're oh, yeah I've met some and you know i did i've had to de- that's how i got into this was i was watching one individual his name was andrew kaufman try to present a bunch of science about viral biology and cell biology and he was just showing images that were he was just completely misinterpreting them and and not just in a small way in a in a way that he just didn't understand the scale of the uh the the molecular biology and the micro biome that exists down at that scale and i was just like oh, hang on this is just getting out of hand and i i started to sort of hunt him down on the internet basically and was sort of um countering what it was that he was he was doing while getting involved in the um, discussion about uh, the origins of SARS-CoV-2 and then of course there are people uh, you know it it stretches the whole uh, spectrum of you know I, I understand people having reasonable doubts you should especially when your governments are taking advantage of a situation where they're extending or they're beginning to intrude beyond their remit that we as a people vote them in and entrust them to make sure that they uphold the values and laws etc that we um that we've developed over centuries and now i'm sort of gassing on i don't know if you have um... no no carry on it's fascinating that because oh, yeah. you're on the front line like right you've been on the front line of this it's not like you know you're you're coming from a hearsay kind of perspective so it's good that 
you know, you, you've been doing it for that long mm-hmm. and trying to get the, the truth out about what is actually happening and, and ha- backing it up with, you know, your research and stuff. Mm. And, you know, um, fortunately, I have, um, because of my well, professional career, I'll never be able to go back to that career because I've essentially become a dissident voice. But, um, you know, I was able to understand the risks from um, the neurotoxicity around not only the virus, but also the gene transfection technologies, the genetic vaccines. And um, I, 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 I'll, I'll just sort of state, you know, my full premises that I, I work from on a sort of day-to-day basis. So one is, like as I've just explained, SARS is a synthetic chimera, meaning it's a mix of um, different uh, epitopes and functional, functional bits of protein stitched together. And um, in the best case scenario, it was there for them to try to, again, develop countermeasures and the uh, they was if you think that they're trying to do it in a very controlled environment and they're trying to predict what would be if you were facing an adversary what would they develop so that you needed to um, come up with some sort of um, uh, treatment and um, intervention that you that you would need so that that's that's the first axiom the second is that um, the, the the countermeasures that they've made by from my perspective because of the peptides that they've used and the toxic epitopes were designed to cause maximum harm but harm extended out over very long periods of time of course you'll get a uh, short, or, 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 or not short, but a, a, an immediate response to being exposed to these peptides. So people have, um, I'm sure people have become very cognizant of um, people who are dying um, unexpectedly, collapsing in sports events. It's become, it's, it's become the new norm um, post, uh, post the initiation of COVID. And I try to inform people about how and why that could be happening. And mm-hmm. in, from my perspective, I would argue that you have to be, you, you can't just pick one or the other with respect to vaccines or viruses. The actual scientific evidence says that it's actually both. And we don't have a good handle on what, so in sort of technical language, we would refer to it as synergistic effects. So once you've been exposed to one um, vector, say for the virus, what happens when you get exposed via gene transfection? And what happens in the body when you're um, having, the body is having to process these toxic epitopes? And just as a metaphor, I don't, particularly like using it because of the 
the well, I would call it psychological operation that happened around venom in the water is that your body is being loaded with um, peptides that now we know can cause protein misfolding and protein misfolding is sits at the heart of disorders like um, and coming from the UK I'm sure you remember um, mad cow disease right yeah, yeah. and yeah. that was a, a protein called the prion protein um, it's uh, it stands for proteinaceous infectious particle it was discovered in the 80s by uh, Stanley Prusner and yeah. we've been trying to understand them ever since and it would be my contention that the programs that were looking at biowarfare and medical countermeasures had gone had become so sophisticated that they weren't just looking at bacteria or, or weaponizable bacteria like anthrax or um, viruses that they could tweak to become um, weaponizable. They've actually gone down an order of magnitude down in scale to understand that or, or to pick out that you can just have small fragments of peptide that can cause the proteins like prion to go into this uh, uh, infective and very dangerous um, form called the, the prion scrapey form. And now we're in a, a waiting game as we see whether, the, uh, whether this hypothesis plays out. I mean, I'm not saying it's 100%, but the um, molecular biology is pointing very strongly in that direction. And we have to account for why we're seeing excess death. And if you sort of cast your mind back to the beginning of the pandemic, as you would expect, that ripped through the elderly population. And that's where primarily most of the deaths were occurring. Now what's happening is if you look at, uh, we'll just take UK statistics, for example. Yeah. Okay. There's been a sustained around 10% increase in all-cause mortality. Um, I want to say the numbers in Britain, I looked at it recently, I was going to say it was, it's, it's well over 50,000 excess deaths. But these are happening in the um, 50 and younger age bracket. Well, there's, there's only so many ways that you can kill someone who's essentially, um, I, I don't want to say fit and healthy because most people in the UK are not fit and healthy. A, um, you know, pub, pub lifestyle is uh, still a thing there, right? And uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, they may not yeah. smoke anymore, but they um, make it, uh, how should we say? Um, yeah, you know, the obesity is a, um, a problem and people have chronic inflammatory conditions, etc. But, you know, they 
they manage that. They manage to go to work, etc., maintain families, and uh, you know, shuffle along, no problem. But now, suddenly, we're seeing this increase in all-cause mortality, and you have to ask, well, how are these people dying? And yeah. in the young, the only way that you're able to achieve that is through cardiovascular um, events. So think of things like heart attacks, strokes, clots, etc., etc. And the other is cancer. Those those would be the immediate um, causes of what uh, of death in in the younger cohort populations. And that's just and in this instance, we're just talking about those who have passed away. And we know that in this excess death um, measure in terms of all-cause mortality, it's classed as non-COVID. Well, so people say, well, it's, why are you talking about COVID and vaccines in this instance when these deaths are not related to um, COVID? But when they talk about COVID deaths, what they're talking about is people who have um, generally come into hospital and died of what would be considered a influenza pneumonia type like condition and acute respiratory distress. But what people don't understand or have a, a difficulty grasping is that these that there are long-term effects which can impact the body that cause you to be shunted into physiological states where heart attacks can emerge, cancers can emerge. And because the temporal difference, meaning just in time between when the person was exposed either to the pathogen or the virus itself is extended out, it's very difficult or the medical systems are not set up to investigate and look for causality in these extended um, time periods. So when you're talking six months, a year, 18 months, etc. But that's the time it takes for um, cancers and the uh, the decay, or not decay, but the the attrition on the um, cardiovascular um, system. And I don't know, I'm seeing sort of questions sort of pop up. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in, we'll get to in a minute. Um, so I don't know if, I, if you want me to try to answer those or, or just try and explain to you what it is that is actually happening with respect to people. Let's go into what, okay, so we're looking at the younger cohorts of, of society. Let's go into what is it within the, how, how that delivery system has caused the long-term conditions that we're now mm -hmm. kind of seeing yeah sure so um there's a number of factors involved so if we were to just be talking about the genetic vaccines um first off we should look at the uh the carrier um mechanism which is the lipid the synthetic lipid nanoparticle um it's well established in the literature that the lipid nanoparticle itself is highly inflammatory and it can well there have been studies shown i mean they're rodent studies and they were done at the 
um, the beginning of, uh, not the beginning, but early on in the pandemic when the vaccines were first rolled out, and they showed that um, if a bolus of lipid nanoparticle entered and was put into a vein, for example, then there was massive inflammation in the heart and blood vessels that would mirror what we're seeing with respect to um, all the claims of sort of myocarditis and why people would be, uh, would, well, again, dying or suffering severe injury because their cardiovascular system has been put under stress. So that's the lipid nanoparticle. Then you have to think about the um, the expression products that the lipid nanoparticle is delivering. And in this case, it's forcing the body to make the spike protein that is consequent or, or from SARS. And that spike protein is synthetic in nature. And when you understand the epitopes that cover it, um, those that the chances of there being all these epitopes and in the functional positions where they are in like the 3D structure of the peptide is well, well it, it's it's not you can't argue that that's just chance it's it's um, it's it, it, it's a, if someone tries to argue that with you they don't understand um, molecular biology and the complexity and um, computation, computational power that would be required to think about how how to best organize the 3D form of that spike protein. So you have this toxic spike protein and that lipid nanoparticle, when they put it into the body, they told people that it would stay in the arm and then just drip, um, drain into the local lymph node and you would um, develop a robust immunity. Um, this is not true. We've known for a very long time that lipid nanoparticles are um, highly labile, meaning that they move all around the body and they are something what's called tissue agnostic. What does that mean? It means that it doesn't matter what organ or um, tissue system, because of the, the nature of the lipid nanoparticle, it's able to get into those organ systems and have you express the spike protein in, in an area where they promised you it wouldn't happen. And so you have this inflammatory lipid nanoparticle distributing through the body which is bad enough in and of itself. And then you start to express these um, peptides. And then as you investigate further, you come to, and this is something that I've been arguing for very strongly since the beginning of the pandemic, is that because of the brain invasive potential of SARS, that, and I looked and checked and other people published, that you have these prion-like epitopes studded throughout the spike protein. And when, when your immune system comes in to try to deal with that spike protein, what it does is it essentially enzymatically cuts it up 
into smaller pieces. And when it does that, it exposes these prion-like epitopes. And, you have, and I, I need to try to emphasize, I don't know how well I'm doing it here, is that okay. you're not having a, a, it's not a prion exactly. And I see the question, do lipid nanoparticles cross the blood-brain barrier? Yes. But so does the virus itself. Um, it's, we've known this for a long time now. And a, a lot of, most of the coronaviruses have the ability to um, get into the brain. And this is why I would argue that um, coronaviruses and SARS were chosen as the backbone on which to put this spike protein. So we're in a situation where the body is beginning to, or, or starts expressing this peptide, and then the immune system tries to come along recognize it to do the immune response but it's happening in organ systems all around the body not just in the arm the white blood cells come in cut it up and then you basically you have to think of it like a um, cluster or fragmentation grenade so it it breaks apart and then all these peptide fragments get released intracellular or extracellular and those small epitopes, and they're typically about 20 amino acids long, are then capable of coming into contact with your normal functional proteins and causing them to transform into the prion-like state. And then once that prion peptide is formed, it, that in itself becomes an infective um, particle that's able to spread around the body and cause innumerable um, disease states that we're still um, in the public domain only just beginning to understand so that was a lot for me to say I don't know if you were okay. um, so I'm gonna kind of yeah and I, this is very interesting for me because I kind of work I, I was saying to you earlier trying to give you a heads up of what I actually do <laughs> Um, but from my perspective, so I'm looking at the energetic template. Mm. When I look at people, I can I see the DNA and I see how things are functioning. This is how, what's been coming to me recently. And through like the COVID years, <laughs> what I've been seeing more recently actually is um, <clears throat> exactly what you're talking about. So what it looks like to me is that where before, <clears throat> excuse me, I would see like a light running down the DNA and I could see the transcription and I could see it going across mm. and then reading it and in a straight line. Right. Okay. But what I've been seeing recent, more recently is that there are stops where it's cut off. And then you've got something else coming and being inserted in that particular region of the DNA. And it's like it, it encloses it in order to um, incorporate something else. Mm. And, it, and it's like where you also get some of it looks like it's scrambled. Mm -hmm. Like you've got the normal DNA running and then some of it looks like it's gone on reverse mm -hmm. and then it's backwards and then it 
and then you've got other places where it just looks like the DNA scrambled, like it, the um, how it should be running. Mm. It's on repeat. Okay. Well, um, let's. Is, is there any evidence and support in the no. scientific literature for um, SARS peptides, including the uh, the spike protein? being able to integrate into the nucleus of the cell. And one of the things, it doesn't get talked about often enough, but people need to sort of understand how important this is. So I mentioned the furing cleavage site. Um, it has homology to um, AIDS GP41 um, envelope type protein. Um, it's also homologous to um, rabies and some cobra toxins but also that sequence is what's called a nuclear localization signal and there have been a number of studies which show that spike protein and even the mRNA for spike protein is able to be carried into the nucleus and in this instance that's problematic when it comes to gene transcription but the the story gets even worse which is um recently in the i was well this year um uh sort of co uh, well, a colleague of mine um his name is kevin mccannan in the uh, he's based in the united states um very good geneticist he um he actually analyzed the uh, the contents of vaccine vials and that's another thing that i've been doing which was um i missed a particular group when talking about um these narrative uh rabbit holes and then people get sucked down into them and one is that the shots are full of graphene and the graphene is going to turn you it's acting as sort of a nanobot um creator and taking you over and turning you into a cyborg um, I've and I've done this live on stream um, in a proper laboratory, um, broken open fresh vials of vaccine, and shown that there is no graphene in there. And all these videos, I'm sure you've seen them, where people will be looking through a microscope and they see what are essentially um, square and rectangular crystals um, floating in the vaccine medium. And um, what those are are cholesterol crystals. And it's what you would expect to find as a consequence of there being lipid nanoparticles. And I demonstrated this. I don't know if people are watching this or listen to this, I could sort of give a presentation and show you exactly um, what it is that we did. But I was able to show that generally the vaccines contain what they say it contains lipids and genetic material. Well, the problem here is, well, what type of genetic material and what are the products? We spoke a little bit about the products that are expressed with the spike protein. But Kevin McKernan um, was able to show that the vials that had been distributed um, globally contained something called a DNA plasmid. And a DNA plasmid 
is used in the fabrication process to make uh, on a large scale the mRNA that they're supposed to be packaging into the lipid nanoparticle. And there was supposed to be none of the precursor steps, which was this plasmid DNA. Now, plasmid DNA is essentially just a circular piece of DNA, let's say around 10,000 bases long. And within it, it contains the code for the spike protein and then a bunch of what we call promoters. And these promoters are there to cause, so you use bacteria, E. coli, to make your product, right? And these plasmids get taken into the E. coli. The E. coli sees the plasmid and says, oh, I'm going to read this and make the products of it. And, the, and essentially it's a sort of case of um, collecting the, uh, the supernatant, meaning the fluid surrounding these bacteria to get your um, gene product that you want to give to the population on mass. But what we found, or what Kevin found, and I've been able to help him by getting, um, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute, but anyway, we've, we've been working together. And the um, what what he showed was that this construct, this plasmid construct, was there in levels far exceeding um, any of the guidelines given to things like the European Medical Agency, the FDA, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have this genetic contamination from these plasmids, and these plasmids contain, I mentioned, promoters. The promoter is something, again, that you, it, it makes the bacteria grab onto it and make lots of copies. Now, this promoter that they used in the Pfizer vaccine comes from a primate virus called the SV40 virus. And people, may, if they're old enough, will remember that um, many, many years ago, the polio vaccine was contaminated with um, SV40 virus because they were culturing the vaccine on monkey uh, kidney cells. And this, this is an um, intrinsic virus to these animals. And so it got passed on to humans. And that virus is what we call oncogenic, meaning it, that causes cancer. So in this instance, they haven't taken the whole SV40 virus. They've taken a short sequence, a 72 base pair sequence that acts as a promoter to say, grab me and start making copies of what's uh, in front and behind me. That SV40 promoter itself is capable, or is what's called a nuclear localization signal as well, and is capable of transferring itself into the nucleus of cells that it gets exposed to. So you've got essentially two vectors of attack here, one which comes from the spike protein itself, and the second which comes from a manufacturing defect that's been uh, the, the basically 90% of the people who received more, actually, because there were, um, there were two processes to make it, they go, and it's just called process one and process two. Process one is, is made in a different way, which is they, they construct 
nucleotide by nucleotide, essentially using something called PCR. But for the rest of the population, they got these contaminated vials filled with these plasmid promoters that contain this SV40 um, enhancer promoter in, in its genetic sequence. So there's another attack on the genome of people and perhaps um, can account for um, cancers that are emerging in younger populations. Again, I know that was a very long-winded uh, explanation, but um, I hope it sort of answered your well, yeah. your observation to perhaps seeing that people's genomes have been, or you're sensing that people's genomes have been harmed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, there, and there's also like um, the areas that I <clears throat> seem to hone in on, there's two specific chromosomes mm. <laughs> that seem to be um, what I would say targeted. One of them is chromosome 10, which I know is like huge. Um, and the other one is 17. And, I, and it's like everybody's um, DNA is different, right? And mm. where the insertions are, are, are very specific to them mm -hmm. as an individual. Does that make sense? It's like it um, I can't, it I can't speak to, to the locality. Kind of I can't speak yeah, to the locality in the chrome or, or chromosomal distribution because those studies have not been done. Um, what the situation we're in is we're, we're very much dependent on independent researchers, you know, like myself or, um, yeah. or, or like Kevin, who perhaps can get access to a lab to actually do these measures. But to do the types of studies where you would look for um, loci insertion into the chromosomes would require um, far more... Uh, far more resources but what i can say is that because we now know about these plasmids there are um significant moves being made and i'm trying my best this end in japan um, i'm collaborating with a clinic where they're seeing excess cancers in the young lymphomas this this type of um well you you don't expect to see these disorders in, or, or so many of these disorders in the young. So what, what we're going to try and do is to get the, uh, the tissue from these people to see if there has been any integration from the vaccine products. And maybe there's integration from um, the virus itself. We'd have to try and, um, it, it would be a long, complicated study to try to draw that information out but we're we're actively trying to do that at the moment um but it it could take time so what what if you've got um if that's the plan going forward that you're, you're putting a study together um and you're working with one clinic what do you need from the general public to be able to go ahead with that is there, um, is there anything that you can you can ascertain from us lot? Well, um, one is, you know, we need access to um, good patient samples. And this is 
Um, I, I, I think we have that aspect covered. The issue that I would, you know, from my own personal perspective, because I've had to step out of the system, I have to do this gig where I'm, I'm speaking to people and I'm, I'm reliant on um, people's gratuities if they think that I'm doing something useful and I don't sell anything. I don't try and um, push herbs or other things onto people. Um, I just hope that people support what it is that I'm doing. And they'll hit a PayPal link and say, please keep keep going with what it is that you're doing. And I'm hoping that now four years into this and I've shown um, consistently that I, you know, I can do the lab work, I can work through the... Um, the theoretical and the hypothetical frameworks around which we're working, and I would I would say right now what what I would need is just um, support. You know, buy me a coffee. <laughs> that's that's the level that I'm I'm working at at this moment. But I think the work is so important that I'm I'm prepared to um, continue to push in this direction. And well, I I, I don't want to sort of um, drop too many black pills in this interview but um if we're well if we're if we're doing it we may as well go all the way through it so yeah yeah go right right the way through what's the worst case scenario oh it, it, it gets like, <laughs> really well shall we <laughs> it probably gets worse than uh the immediacy around um the the cardiovascular events, the cancers, et cetera, and we have to, and I mentioned prions before, and that there are these prion-catalyzing epitopes. So we have, and although there was the concern initially, we knew this right from the beginning, just from, you, you could look at the molecular biology and we, we could see these epitopes and say, oh, they, they are capable of forming um this uh this disease process and that that so when you're talking about prions there's a, another word that we use with it which is called amyloidogenic and amyloidogenic and prions are sort of synonymous with protein misfolding and so we could look and use computational algorithms to say oh this region is amyloidogenic this one as well this one as well and they're distributed across the whole of the spike protein. But I mentioned at the beginning that the spike protein undergoes um, cleavage. It gets cut enzymatically as it comes in contact with the cell that it's trying to infect. And when, when that enzyme cuts the peptide, there's one segment that essentially floats free and on that segment, it's now been demonstrated that this epitope targets the human prion protein. And now, because of the strategy that they've taken, which was the mass mandating of the, expo of the exposure to and um, translation of this peptide, and now we've had a mass seeding event such that these peptides are now and prions are potentially contaminating the environment now 
prions, particularly the human prion protein, the equivalent in cows or what you get in chronic wasting disease in deer, um, we've known and we've, uh, Stanley Prusner showed this in the 80s, that you can even leave them in the soil for years and they're still infective. And recent studies have shown that, so in this instance, I'm going to talk about the deer in the United States. They're called white-tailed deer. And there's this epidemic of prion disorders in these deer. And the question, more, and the question is, well, how are these, de how are these disease, uh, deer getting infected by this disease? And so there, there are a number of vectors that can occur. So they've established that ticks can spread this um, scrapey-like disease. But also we've shown that if an animal dies from chronic wasting disease, and you know, it's going to... Um, be reclaimed by the soil and microbes, etc., and then plants are going to grow over the top because it's it's essentially going to act like a nutrient source, right, and fertilizer. But the plants are able to pick up those prions; they distribute to the leaves, and then other animals can come along, eat those leaves, and it starts the infective cycle again. And these because of the persistence in the environment, we're now in a situation, theoretically, where billions of people are now shedding these infective prions into the environment on a scale that we've never experienced before. And so the other, th the other thing I was thinking actually on that, on that, like I was thinking about that earlier on, is like, so if we are then burying the dead mm. are they are they is that also a potential way of contamination you the know, soil we're, yeah because we're in yeah yeah so then you're going through that whole cycle again of now we're ingesting it mm -hmm. as well yeah and look at all the moves being made to um basically use what they would call reclaimed water and use it to water the crops. Um, right. This is highly problematic because I don't think that they are thinking about prion contamination. I don't know. Maybe they are. But I haven't seen anything to convince me that they're taking it seriously because no one's taking it seriously that uh, the authorities and uh, essentially what are public-private partnerships between the state and the corporate apparatus which is essentially a modern the modern form of what we understood to be fascist states have again exposed billions of people to this prion catalyzing epitope coupled with this inflammatory lipid nanoparticle coupled with um genetic contamination and we're um i i, I don't there's no comparison in our recent or past history that has any anything approaching this confluence of events 
that we've seen. And um, let me ask, can I ask you a question then? It's like, okay, so it was genetically genetically modified in a lab, right? Um, the exposure to it, do you think they really thought that through completely into like essentially wiping everybody off the planet? So it's a good question. I've, or was it a by mistake? <laughs> so that's that's the two options that you have available to you, right? Was this a innocent mistake in a laboratory that caused um, a cascade of events leading to the lockstep um, organization of governmental apparatus that forced people to be vaccinated. And I, you know, my thoughts on this have evolved across the pandemic and like I say initially I was just like ah it's probably a mistake done in the lab but labs happen mistakes happen all the time um leaks of viruses from labs happen all the time and I was thinking it's probably something along those lines but as we've come to understand the molecular biology and as we've come to the point and this is like I say it's only since September that we've had confirmation that it's specifically target, targeting human prion protein when you get gene transfected and with the caveat that it also happens in some people who get infected with SARS virus but because the needle pushes it mm -hmm. past your immune barriers essentially it's got chance to embed itself into tissues that perhaps would be harder for the virus to do by itself. And when I'm sitting back and I'm looking at the transnational organizations, the fact that what we're dealing with is a kind of neo-Malthusianism, where these people are convinced that the world is overpopulated, that um, we're... Uh, you go into the supermarket to get your eggs and, and whatever basics to feed your family is too much of a threat to their existence and their lifestyle. And the fact that there's a prion-catalyzing epitope in the S1 segment makes me now think we're probably looking at the darker end of the... Um, spectrum with respect to what might have been motivations here and until proven otherwise i would urge people to think the same and yes. try to get it into your mind that these people think nothing of you you're a commodity to be traded used um controlled and if you're surplus to requirements right now then and they do think that the that there is too many people on the planet then 
how would you go about achieving the aims of reducing the population in such a way that most people are going to remain oblivious to how, how they would have done this attack? And the way that people remain oblivious is that they don't understand prion biology and they, they're unable cognitively to make the jump that they're I, I wouldn't say, I, I'm not, I, don't, I think we need to be careful about just saying it's governments. It's very obvious that it's a larger um, network and, and power structure than your local MP, for example. And the you can go back to um, the 70s, Club of Rome. Um, yeah. All, all, all these... Um, these are official documents where um, they're, they're talking about population control. And, you know, there's a, there's a potentiality here that as we're sort of, you know, I don't like using World Economic Forum because they're almost a caricature of... Um, <laughs> the, but it, it's, a, it, it's a good way of sort of concretizing in people's minds perhaps the type of thinking that you're dealing with. And these people are convinced that their new industrial revolution, in the, wor in the words of Klaus Schwab, um, are going to make it such that most jobs probably are going to be automated away. And in this instance, what do you do with all those people whose jobs are going to be supplanted by um, automated tools? And, you know, just to give a recent example, you can look at, well, if you follow the discussions around artificial intelligence, the large language models, that type of um, computational domain, those tools are able to make code, computer code, for example, um, far more effectively and elegantly than uh, you know, some of the best human programmers that we have. So what happens to all these people who are sitting at desks doing the uh, the human input to our computer network infrastructure, and that's no longer required. What happens when the robots in factories just become hyper-efficient and less and less humans are needed? Well, the humans have become surplus to requirements. And in the 21st century, it would be considered ah, you know, bad form to be digging ditches and putting bullets into the backs of heads of um, groups that, uh, uh, that they perceive as problematic. So right now on the table, there is, I would argue, the hypothesis that these people wish harm. They wish to attrition the population and the evidence points to them using these toxic amyloid prion-like proteins because their, their emergence as disease states takes time and it's divorced from the event 
which probably precipitated it, which would be um, vaccine shots or oh. infection by this biowarfare agent. So another question then along that same line. Mm. Um, so with population control, right, are there certain populations oh. that they are actually targeting other than themselves? So, I mean, it's like, how do you how do you do that and get away with it like how do you then live on through mm. through that kind of mutation within mm -hmm. the genome good question um well if you know the mechanism of action then you you are at an advantage with respect to the rest of the population which is you don't expose yourself to these toxic peptides that are bioaccumulative. You make sure you have access to clean water and clean food. And the simple fact is, is that these people are essentially unbounded by financial constraints. And so they can pick the, uh, the most prime real estate and, um, make sure that their exposure is limited. Now, I, I saw someone ask in the chat, are there antidotes to prions? Um, simple fact is, not really. Um, the one chance you have is to minimize the exposure to, well, certainly synthetic approaches by pushing a needle into your arm. The other is to make sure that you have the correct medications to limit any um, infective pathways via viral spread. And if people cast their mind back to the beginning of the pandemic, um, hydroxychloroquine suddenly became a forbidden uh, uh, pharmaceutical because it's SARS has been shown to be effective. Hydroxychloroquine has been shown to be effective against SARS replication, and they went to extraordinary lengths. And again, this showed the organisation that happened at the sort of social and institutional level. And what I try to emphasise to people is, when you're building this type of next generation weapon, it's not just the refinement down to epitopes and understanding the virology. You need to have the delivery mechanism to make it have the impact that you want. And so that means someone had the system's knowledge to understand how when this virus and the countermeasure were gonna be deployed, that all the institutions all lined up as well and the public messaging was um, reinforced again and again and again. And they were, and tell me that that didn't happen. Try and, try and tell me that that was a figment of my imagination and a figment of uh, all my peers' imagination. That happened, right? And all of that, you have to think of all of that as being the weapon system that they deployed. So if you, if you know the intricacies of how this weapon works from the micro domain to the macro, then 
you you know how to avoid it and there and then because you're getting minimal exposure the prophylactic and treatment measures that you have may be enough to get you through and i wish i wish i had better news uh, or, or something more cheerful in this instance but that's the state in which we find ourselves at the moment um prion disorders once they have a hold there's they're in, invariably fatal and so, so here's another example of you know people say oh you know he's uh, I'm, I'm not seeing people impacted by uh, prion diseases etc all these people that develop like the long covid phenotype which is essentially a form of um myalgic encephalitis chronic fatigue syndrome right it's a post-viral mm -hmm. state that we're somewhat familiar with and um but it, it's been primarily ignored by the medical system and essentially not been treated properly and i've always had the contention that those states that uh, inability to recover is a consequence of the b systemic buildup of amyloid and we just had a paper come out well now it's monday but last week which showed that people who have long covid situation if you biopsy the muscle they can find and detect that amyloid all in their muscle tissue and you can look at the state of the muscle fibers and these people have an abundance of essentially what would be called necrotic meaning it's dying in terms of uh or, or just how the body's reacting to it so there's a, a large immune response around those dying muscle fibers and this is why people have this what you know what's called post-exertional malaise they do what would normally be considered a routine activity and then it requires days to weeks for them to recover and that and it's characterized by you know these people say I have brain fog i have fatigue etc and these are all indications that there are um, abnormal uh, pathologies occurring within the central nervous system and what we or how we envisage them in the neuroscience neurology paradigm is these are classic indicators of being the word is prodromal for neurodegenerative disorders so you have these constellation of symptoms they're very difficult to diagnose because you take a blood test it doesn't really show up in blood tests you'd have to do something invasive and you'd have to know what you're looking for and the simple fact is most clinics that you're going to go to are not going to ask when they take the blood test do a check for um amyloid peptides right it, it's possible to do but um it's you, you would have to sort of navigate the medical system to get to a specialist who could ask for those um, particular um, blood tests or um, examinations of cerebral spinal fluid um, we're in an age nowadays where you can use something called pet imaging where 
you take radioactive isotopes and they're specific for binding to um, amyloidogenic peptides. But, you know, that's generally reserved for when you're, you've come out of the prodromal state and the disease is fully fulminating. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah last resorts. Mm. And the... <clears throat> what I find really interesting as well is that, like, um, let me go back to, I'm trying to figure out what year it was, um, 2008, maybe 2009, um, I was going for um, blood tests for systemic lupus, mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that, that they offered you was hydrochloroquine mm -hmm. for yeah. lupus symptoms, right? And when COVID started, I was going, but it's just like lupus. It sounds like you have a immune disorder mm -hmm. where your cells are attacking, mm. attacking your body's attacking itself. Mm. Um, but that's also to do like the the fibromyalgia kind of symptoms that go along with that. And the brain fog, all of those things I was I was um, actually experiencing back in 2008 mm -hmm. as yep. a as a lupus type um, thing. And I was going to ask you about COQ10 mm -hmm. and whether that would be any of any benefit for people to to either up the intake dietarily or whether um, that's a good thing to take, like just through tablets or whatever. Mm. So, uh, my position with respect to um, supplements, um, essentially, what you could consider over-the-counter uh, uh, interventions. I would never say to anyone, "Don't take." that try try to see if it helps um and if it doesn't work um think about you, you know i would encourage people to to keep a diary uh with respect to their chronic symptom profiles but um you know lupus and uh, these rheumatoid type disorders are um they do have a lot of crossover with that me cfs long covid um, state, particularly in the subjective um, feeling of uh, you know how you feel on a on a day to day basis. Um, yes, take um, try to get as much help as you can um, manage and afford, and you, you know your body is going to become the best uh, diagnostic tool that you have. I don't have a whole list of herbs and um, supplements that you could be taking. I mean, I take a bunch. Um, yeah. I, the I, funny thing is, though, is that I don't have lupus. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and I've not had a flare-up like I was having back then since 2010. Mm. Do you know what it was that you had back then? 
what it was. Okay, so part of the issue I feel is self-sabotage patterns. So when we do things that are um, attacking ourselves, whether it's emotionally, mentally, mm. like our thought processes, I, I was not very good at, at thinking I was worthy back then. Um, so I worked on that and healing that aspect of myself going okay so i'm going to get rid of the self-sabotage patterns and lo and behold my lupus type symptoms abated and i haven't had a um thing since but that's just me yeah um, most people if you sit if they were to sit down and think about what it is that and look i'm no uh paragon of virtue here right I mean, I'm, I've reached the age now where I don't booze. Um, my recreational drug taking is um, non-existent now. And, but I, I recognize those behaviors as not being conducive to good health. And, you know, just to give an, a, a, people a bored of me saying this who, who tune into my streams but i've had a couple of mecfs this is why i'm sympathetic to people who claim that they've been um they're suffering um long-term effects from viral exposure or vaccine exposure um when i was in my 20s i uh, you know i was just too I just wanted to do too much, right? And so I was into sports, I was at university, I had a job, and then I wanted to go out at a weekend and party nonstop from Friday to Monday. And, you know, you, you can imagine what that involved in the 90s and um, the club and rave scene back then. But um, whilst um, I was in my third year, getting ready to go into my honours year, and I got ill with like a flu type illness and then it didn't clear up and I got put in, and this was um, 30 years ago where there was no real support around um, those types of conditions, right? They were like, ah, oh, it's uh, all in your head, et cetera. And, uh, and, you know, I became convinced that, no, that's, this is definitely not in my head. You know, a few weeks ago, I was able to run um, 5, 10K, no problem, and then go and um, pump a load of weights and et cetera, et cetera. It was, a, that was a radical difference. And so I had to navigate that space prior to internet and trying to figure out, you know, what was best. And, you know, part of that recovery process is realizing, oh, you are pushing yourself too hard. You are, you should take rest. You should, um, every time you're going out, boozing or um clubbing um you're, you're drawing on energy reserves that um the body will basically say oh you're going to stop and the way the body makes you stop is it increases inflammatory markers and um puts you flat on your back yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and so you have to sort of learn to navigate around that um pacing is an important thing and the and there's also a 
cognitive and i don't know you could maybe maybe say more spiritual component to your existence that oh you do have to learn that these changes have occurred there's a degree of um coming you know just coming to terms with it and then you develop a sort of wisdom about it etc and then you know in over the last four years sars got me again and what we know about sars you know i ticked all the boxes for um comorbidities that would say i was going to be in for a bad um experience with it and yeah i had a very bad experience with it the long-term effects because i'd already experienced it in my 20s I was kind of sort of geared up to deal with that anyway. So it was just sort of part of my routine, as it were, to just say, okay, I'm not um, I'm not in good form today. I'm going to um, try to um, rest. And, you know, that means eating properly and um, not boozing and, uh, you know, limit smoking, et cetera. And, um, and these are practical steps that you can take in an environment where essentially apex predator Malthusian types want you to engage in these um, self-destructive behaviors. It suits them, right? Um, you're, and you, you take yourself off the, um, well, for want of a better metaphor, the evolutionary battlefield. Um, and there's, you know, I, I can sound kind of bleak around what happens with respect to these prion-like disease mechanisms, but you can you can either help yourself and try to mitigate it and slow it down, or you can just uh, you know I I I know the types who are just self-destructive and want to go boozing every day and uh, and you know those people generally as you know as, as a cohort tend not to do so well and yeah that's because they're internally inflamed and um it provides a well you're just putting yourself into a weakened state and with chronic inflammatory disorders and the ME CFS long covid um, what we do know is that your so the brain has a specialized immune system. It's different to what's in the rest of your body, called microglia. And these chronic conditions are essentially they come in, they activate the body's immune system, and they also, um, in, including what happens in the brain. And this is because just toxic peptides or the agents are getting past the blood-brain barrier. And once um, these immune cells in the brain are switched on, it's a job to tamp them down. But often a lot of the subjective effects of these chronic conditions is these microglia becoming overactive. And often what they're responding to are these misfolded proteins that are building up in your tissues right. right and these people people are going to have to become very as much as people have a sort of common knowledge around bacteria pathogens fungi viruses as um, potentially 
disease causing, um, people are going to have to at least become somewhat educated in what these um, toxic peptides can do. And then, and then your job, or the, if you're um, suffering in this instance, is to find again what works for you. And you know, someone, someone was asking me on Twitter today. Well, you know, what do what do we do about these um, amyloidogenic peptides? Right? We know um, people that have uh, COVID and long COVID develop what are called uh, fibrinogen-resistant, meaning they don't respond to the enzyme that breaks down clots and amyloidogenic clots. And it seems that one of the most effective treatments that we have is to go through um, heparin plasmapheresis, right? And you can think of this as a bit like kidney dialysis right so they'll put a cannula into a blood vessel and then they'll pump and circulate the blood through a filtration machine that takes out these toxic peptides and essentially <clears throat> decreases the amyloidogenic load in the body and it seems it, it seems to be one of those therapies which is I don't know, but you know, people can spend a ton of money and be fretting around um, herbs and um, supplements, etc. And it's always a battle to get what you think is right. But yeah. this approach is far more direct, and the physiological markers for the disease are reduced once the uh, at, at the end of the treatment and but the problem is finding where these clinics are that would do that and convincing a, a doctor that you should be um, allowed to try the treatment um, we're, we're sadly short of these um, devices and the bigger problem is the medical system making the decision that that might be in a way, uh, be a way to try to treat these disorders right so do you think that's a good i a good way of um kind of getting out of getting out of the mutations then is by filtration yeah yeah you've got to, you've got to get the so you have to think that when you've got amyloids aggregating in the blood right they're just building out these um and we got nowhere to go fibrils basically they're just building out crystals right and these crystals are just very hard to break down and you know if you look at them they look like needles under a microscope and right. you know i think this is a lot of the reason why people sort of complain of the muscle pain nerve pain fatigue because you're you've got billions of tiny needles aggravating all your tissues and nerve endings and plasmapheresis as a treatment seems to be able to reduce that load um short of that and 
again, you can try with nutrition, lifestyle. You, you, you should be doing nutrition, lifestyle, <laughs> removing bad habits, trying to um, sort out your uh, personal um, issues with respect to family members and anything that's causing you stress. All those things need to be taken into account as well. And then coupled with uh, some, some type of direct intervention like um, plasma um, filtration. That, that, that would be my gold standard. And, and then if I was to add another one on top of that, it would be uh, stem cell cytokines or stem cells themselves but right. yeah. not everyone so, has access to that no is there a way i mean this is what i was going to ask as well it's like what happens when <clears throat> you're talking about the amyloids in the blood but they have to kind of come from somewhere right so if if you are in your bone marrow laying those back down again mm-hmm. with uh, you're going to keep just keep reproducing them surely yes so each time that you've gone for a treatment you're going to have to keep going back because mm-hmm. so i get the stem cell thing it's just like being able to kind of blank slate well the, the blood the, the, the stem cells are they're trying to and the primary effect seems to be one of tackling that inflammatory state so there was a recent paper by, um, let me just find the name so people can, where did I put it? So it's called, the, pa- the paper is called SARS-CoV-2 Spike Protein Accumulation in the Skull Meninges Brain Axis, Potential Implications for Long-Term Neurological Complications in Post-COVID. Um, this is by uh, Zhao Rong et al. It's a very, very good paper. And what they show is that even people, and, and they basically had an autopsy cohort that had died from other causes, and but who had been diagnosed previously with um, COVID. And what they showed was that spike protein accumulates in the bone marrow of the skull. And from the bone marrow, it's able to enter through small channels and get into the brain itself. And again, what you're dealing with, what you're dealing with is these pep, you know, the spike protein peptide can come into contact with your body's own proteins and then it causes these um, prion-like cascades. And so you're always going to be fighting that. And, you know, the body does have some um, some capability of trying to uh, deal with them and remove them and package them up so they're not a problem. What happens in these chronic conditions is that the... You have to think of the clearance mechanisms are essentially just rate limited, right? They, they, they can only process so much and they just, they're just getting overwhelmed. And this is why people then have to crash and then they'll be down for a week as the body is sort of trying to work through and, and package up and reduce the, uh, the inflammation. 
Um, what do you? What do people do when, or if so many people have been exposed in this manner, or you could be, you could be carrying reservoirs of um, infective pockets. So um, you're. So one of the areas that SARS likes to hang out is the gut. Um, also, once it gets in the brain, it's able to sit there and um, remain essentially untouched, and it will spit out regularly copies of the virus and that would continue to sort of cause inflammation. So, you know, any any treatment protocol needs to be thinking about um, trying to reduce these infective pockets. So, you know, one of the major treatments for um, neurodegenerative disease are compounds called senolytics. And what they do is um, cells that are functional but less than optimal, right? And in a sense, you want to clear them out and so you well, there, there are there are natural compounds that you could take that would um that can help but there are pharmaceutical ones as well and that strategy along with um trying to reduce inflammatory states trying to um enzymatically degrade spike protein sequester meaning to grab onto the peptide fragments and have them removed should all be part of any health regimen you should be trying to work through if you're if you're suffering right now and you know maybe my um well my analysis is skewed because a lot of people come to me because I talk about this subject on a daily basis, saying, oh, this has happened, or this has happened to my friend, etc. And so, you know, I'm, I could be overestimating the burden, but what I'm seeing seems to fit with what the scientific literature is saying, which says that there is a significant um, morbidity burden on, on the population, um, particularly in the last four years. And, yeah, yeah try try to people are lucky these days that you just have the internet i know there's a lot of garbage out there that can be somewhat confusing but if you know if you're diligent and take the time and temper your expectations you can come up with uh approaches and as we were saying earlier it's not just um silver bullet molecules i don't think there are any silver bullet molecules but it's about addressing every aspect in your life and getting yourself into a situation where you're not under the stress that would cause you to to be relapsing all the time, and that's what you see with these chronic conditions. Lupus is a classic example. Yeah, right? can... yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I get the 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 fibromyalgia thing and the the down thing. I mean, I if I go back to those symptoms, I couldn't I couldn't hold a knife and fork. Mm. Because I was hurting so much, I couldn't tie my shoelaces. Mm. 
and it felt like I'd been at the gym for like 50 hours when I just got out of bed, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So I totally get that that's how bad, you know, those, those symptoms can be. Um, but it is, yeah, healthy living, you mm-hmm. know, is going to help us to, to kind of get through a lot of the things that I think we're facing forward. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would say this. Think how bad it was um, prior to COVID anyway. Just think how many people were suffering from these chronic ME-CFS type conditions. I know there are, because I was one of them. Still am one of them, right? But the, um, now we're in a situation that is probably, well, theoretically could be exponentially worse because of this mass exposure that they did via these gene transfecting tools. And um, yeah, like I say, the only, the only strategy that I can think of is mitigation. Mitigation, reduction, and um, tempering expectations. You're not gonna be running those half marathons every month. Right. You need to think about building back up strength so you can become functional around the house and at least interact with family members. Um, you know, that's the fight I have every day. Um, I, I do this, speaking to people, and then um, I have to you know, try and interact with my kids. But, you know, I was... In bed by 7 p.m. Well, yesterday, um, woke up around 10, 11, and then you know, just went went back to to sleep just to try to recover to get back to a normal state. And post-exertional malaise is a significant problem. And you know, I, I, lupus would be um, a slightly different uh, set of underlying pathologies i mean the overall state is very similar but right now you have to think that again all these people have um these amyloids building up in their muscles we've just we've just had experimental validation of that and um well i wish it was just a case of just saying yeah take natokinase Right, and it'll go away. I, I'm not sure that's the case. I, I think that if you're, when you're looking at the nutritional aspect, you're probably going to have to be looking at what would be considered combination therapy, right? Where you're, you're having to try lots of different compounds and looking for synergistic interactions and, um, making it well you, you, again your own body is the experiment that you're conducting right now it's the best tool that you have right and you know here's here's something to think about so it's very very nice data but and the UK has uh, what's called the UK Brain Bank, and so they had 
thousands of MRI scans of people's brains prior to COVID and the pandemic. And they can show significant reductions in gray and white matter volume post, um, post-COVID infection, or let's, let's say spike exposure in this instance, whether it's from the vaccine or not. But the physical effects on the brain are um, well-documented. And your job in this instance, because make the presumption that that's happened to you if you're suffering in this instance, is to be supplementing to feed your brain, right? So what's your brain made of? It's primarily fat and protein. And so you have to be eating the right fats. You have to be making sure that your protein sources are clear. You have to be making sure that that organ gets the rest that it needs. And you hope that you stave off the, the worst the worst outcomes. So do you think it's like the the there's not kind of any getting over it? If you see what I mean, there's not going to suddenly be a like hurrah, we're through that episode. It's, it, that we're actually going to be living like this now. Mm. Right. Very likely. I wish it wasn't the case, but the the molecular biology is pretty clear. And the epidemiological data and the scientific literature just keeps pointing in the same direction. And, you know, into, again, just sort of going back to the brain health, uh, again, within the last, I'll say, two months, there was a paper that came out which showed, and again, because they had patient groups that they had prior to when SARS emerged, they can show that people who had infection, even mild, on average had lost or their brain had aged 10 years with respect to their ability to engage in cognitive processing. And, you know, just to try and explain that study a little bit, when they're, when they're trying to make inference about um, network processing in the brain, they, they're not going to sit there and say to you, work out um, this crossword puzzle, right? The, they, they, how they try and do it is to look at fast responses to what should essentially be easy type questions, okay? And, and they would be testing reaction time. And so they're looking in, you know, the, so when you get stimulus response type uh, actions, you're looking in the order of a couple of hundred milliseconds to see, see the stimulus and the command to um, travel from the brain to um, your fingertips to like press a button. And it's in, it's in those um, fractions of a second that you're slowing is becoming emergent and so can you can basically consider yourself if you were 40 year old when you came into contact your brain has now been shunted to 50 years old and is now in it's not a healthy 
fifty year old state. Do you get do you get what I mean? Because you yeah, know, yeah. Um, yeah, a link for the studies you've mentioned. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Did you do you have a link for the studies you just mentioned? Oh yeah, I have plenty. I mean, I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you want me? You want me to dig them out now, or uh, I can I can send them to you. Um, but um, the cognitive one, let me just dig that one out because it's an important one. I would I would encourage everyone to um, look at that. Uh, now I've just got to go through the. Is it this one? I, I just need to. I found. I, I think I found out. I just want to look at the. Need to look at the figure. Yeah, it's this paper. Um, I'll just put this link in. I'll put it in my Rumble chat, and then I'll send it to you via. Um, Twitter chat, not Twitter. What are we using? Skype, right? Skype. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chat. Okay, so there you go. It should be in there. Yeah. So I've just sent you the link. Yeah. Box as well. Thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um. So is there anything else? Is there anything else that you want to chat about? Or um. Feel like you need to bring up. Well, it depends where you want to go. There's there's plenty to talk about. <laughs> um, the I'm just after all the conversation of like, oh my god, I've got to go to bed at seven o'clock. I'm like, we've been talking for like two hours. Are you sure you don't need a break? It's two hours. <laughs> I hadn't... Yeah. Um... Well, I mean, it, it, you know, it's a we can do this again. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, uh, um, yeah, there's pl there's plenty to go over, and um, you know, I've I've tended to focus on the uh, just just the biology around these chronic inflammatory states, but um, you know, there's people need to understand the networks that are involved the organizations, the individuals. There are many, many people that we can hold to account right now because of what's happened, right? Because we the evidence is overwhelming for these for this being a product of this biowarfare research. And um they they've left a paper trail. And so people who have been yeah. harmed, either through virus or vax injured, are um in my mind, um, eligible for compensation. And it's not just, in fact, it's not just the people that have been physically harmed. It's the, those that have been mentally harmed or had their lives destroyed because they um, forced closure of small businesses, um, instantiated a um, totalitarian fascist regime um, are, are en masse and um, employed armies of goons across social media 
and um, national media to gaslight the public as to what happened, where there's a very clear scientific and legal paper trail as to what these people have done. And there are some of us who are trying to fight um, this, well, for want of a better expression, this monster that, um, well, it's of our own creation, but we need to, we need to fight. Yeah. So you, you, how, how are you, I know that you're doing the research and stuff and, and obviously speaking out and, you know, as much as you can about what's been happening and what's going on and what the kind of potentials are and stuff. Is there a legal side to that as well? There is. We're, we're pursuing it. Um, but I would, again, in this instance, I would just say to people, temper expectation. Because what, what was experienced was so... Um, Well, it, it, it... it was traumatic. I think that the the we we've just gone through one of the most traumatic scenarios that, as a human collective, mm. that we could possibly have been through. Yeah, yeah, and the this we can approach through the legal avenue. We should try and do this. But again, when the institutions have been so corrupted, mm. um, it's likely going to be uh, a, uh, I, I don't want to say an exercise in futility because you're still bringing it into the public and having that discussion, and that's important. And for anything that comes afterwards as a consequence of all that's happened, over the last four years, and I would argue, as they're bringing closer, as closer and closer to, uh, well, economic banking collapse, war, famine, all, all these things are on the list for them to uh, break society and put it back together in their own image. Yeah, and um, we. Well, you can either sit quiet or you can try you can try it and speak up. And if what happens next is a display of probably perhaps our worst traits when you know, when things break down, people revert to more um basic and savage instincts that in that instance you can at least say to yourself that you did everything possible to make sure that it that it didn't you spoke up and and tried your best and i think that's i think that's all god would ask of us in this instance um yeah same i mean just we have to do what we can right to to try and um I don't know how to put it, like move humanity forward, right? Well, in the best way that we possibly can. <laughs> you, you, you're not going to move millions of people in this, uh, in this, you're in a very constrained environment, right? That, you know, my, you can't search for me on Twitter. 
um i'm search banned um you know i couldn't talk on youtube there would be um constant bans there and um and you know i i have an approach when i'm doing streams where i'm not just looking at papers i have a, i don't know I, i'm for me i try to make it entertaining for me and then i don't know people seem to find that um entertaining and uh um, it keeps people sort of coming back. So, you know, in that instance, I'm not, I'm not being politically correct enough to sit on uh, or, or to get by any of the filters. And uh, I, 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 I've sort of taken a view. I can't, you're not going to save everyone, but if I can, if you can get a, you know, a good solid group of people around you all sort of working in the same direction, um that's a that's a good start and yeah. um yeah I, I, again temper expectations in this and and be grateful for um if you are able to uh, continue to um, to speak out right um that may not last long in the current environment mm. Yeah, that's why we still need platforms <clears throat> like this um, until the interweb goes down completely, obviously. Well, this and then is, we'll be on a soapbox again. Well, this is why I've, you know, a, a lot of my effort goes into building out our own video on demand and streaming platform, right? Um, the, you can't trust corporations in the current environment. The, they, they are not your friends. Right. They may be providing a service right now that's of use. Rumble is doing um, much of the heavy lifting for me, but I still maintain the server architecture and the um, the website. It's called wetalkyoulisten.com or wtyl.live. You can go there, sign up. You can upload videos. Um, you can stream on it if you want. Um, try and use those. Try to get out of the current systems that are well, essentially milking you for and and constraining you with respect to your rights to be able to speak and express your thoughts um, online and to the public. And if enough of us do that, or enough of us use um, these alternative systems, then yeah, you, that's a win, right? Yeah, definitely. Because it means that we're all communicating with each other Yeah, as well, you know. Yeah. Rather than um, not being able to, and they they went to extraordinary lengths to make sure that that didn't happen over the last four years, and I think that could just be a small taste of what it is that they have planned. Um, I don't know, you know. I think there's merit to these discussions about them. You know, breaking the system so that they can introduce these digital currencies, etc., because they need new control mechanisms because the current ones have run their um, utility. Yeah. Right. So. So I think that's a good. That's another um, kind of indicator of our resilience, though. Right. It's like if they've if they've put all of these control mechanisms in place, and we're still here speaking up, mm -hmm. you know, and speaking out, 
or then they've kind of had to up their game mm -hmm. because we have because you know we're not giving in mm -hmm. yeah and again i would encourage people move away from those corporate systems look at the moment even though i'm shadow banned on twitter i still pay for a blue check mark just because it's way way better since elon musk has taken over it's not perfect not by a long shot but um if the people show that there is support for um as much free and open exchange as possible then again it, it, vote with your wallet and vote with your feet and you know uh, again try my um project like that it, it works it's great it, it, you can upload whatever you want you can um it's fast it's uh you can copy uh you can just use url link and it will download any video from any site and put it onto your account etc and um you know i would like it to be sort of focused on this type of information that's geared towards um trying to help people navigate this a very complex terrain and battlefield that we're in. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll give you a link for that. Also, like PFP, obviously, you know, this is uncensored. It's an independent radio station. And um, on here, we try and give people as much information as we possibly can mm. as well. So. Don't forget the the um, place that we're on. <laughs> well, I, I would suggest you um, make a channel on uh, wetalkyoulisten.com. Um, you can archive all your stuff there. Um, I, I, especially with respect to Rumble, don't, don't expect Rumble to be acting the way or, or be as free as it is at the moment because eventually the corporate control structures kick in and... You know, if the topics that are being discussed are too close to the, well, the bone, <laughs> let's say, rather than, rather than the truth, people are, people are taking a swipe at it and um, they're getting deeper in. You, you know that there are certain groups that you can't talk about and, um, you know, they will inevitably censor it. And this... Yeah. This was uh, exemplified by, you know, there was this recording of uh, these two representatives from the ADL in the US where they were, um, they were complaining that they, they'd sort of lost control over Twitter and, but, and they were sort of arguing their um, ideological position with respect to tech companies and what have you. And they were basically saying that um, we go to these tech companies and say, problematic individuals, okay, we, we realize that just removing them entirely from platforms is probably not the best. And so th their slogan was freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. And so this is where the shadow banning comes in. This is right. where, right? And that's that's how they operate. Um, and we can, build, we can build out open source systems. That, yeah that can compete that sounds like a really good plan i'm in mm. 
I'll come out. I'll, I'll make my own channel over there. I think. If you've got a whole, um, if you've got a channel and a bunch of content, it can just um, be transferred over. And um, I don't know if you want to like you you stream video wise, right? Or do you just put this out on sort of audio normally? This both. Both. On here on PFP, it's both. Mm. So you, you can upload that, and then it's on um, Federated. Uh, I forgot the name of the system now. Um, but essentially we use the PeerTube architecture, and it's, um, it has this federation, so it links up with all these other servers that you know are operating outside the normal corporate structure. And, you know, pe people can have instances of peer tube running but i i sink a lot of resources into making sure that we have servers and distribution and content delivery that's well uh, it's fast and uh, as good as rumble odyssey etc that sort of thing so um i'm trying to get more people to use it and Hopefully it'll sort of reach critical mass at some point. But um, it's available to everyone. We talk, you listen .com. Go sign up and uh, um, spread the so, information. Thank you, Kev, for coming on and talking. Um, where can people find you? Where um, can they follow you? So if you want to, all my social media and where I stream, is aggregated on a site called mccairndojo.com, M-W-C-A-I-R-N, sorry, uh, dojo, like karate dojo, dot com. Um, oh. <laughs> sorry. Um, and, yeah, I'm on, I, I am on Twitter, but you, can, you won't be able to find me unless you sort of follow direct links etc and i use twitter and these platforms to say when i go live um you can sign up for you can get an email for when i go live off mccann dojo uh gilded of uh, uh, discord sorry is on there um and yeah just uh you know i'm so mccannjo.com is where to kind of find you and then you kind of branch out from mm. from that right and that, that I've had to learn this just from having to interact or, or smash my head against the wall multiple times with this censorship. And it's a military industrial censorship complex that they've deployed. It's very sophisticated. It's at all levels. And like I say, the best way around it is you have, you have to have what's called bare metal servers. You own the servers. It's your software that's running on it. And then, then you can start to carve out a space where it's difficult for them to touch you. And, yeah, um, help me build that out. doesn't cost anything. There's nothing that not charging any subscription or anything. Um, just join, use it. And if you can make money streaming on it, great. Go for it. I'm, I'm happy for people to do that so uh but we've got to beat the corporate system right yeah yeah agreed 
Agreed. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't, I, you said you wanted to do sort of like questions and what have you. Do you want to take like a yeah, little break? Yeah, let's just, yeah. Does anyone have any questions before, before we sign out for the evening? Some and there might be some in the in the chat box actually. You might want to go back to. I see the chat is so is chat bringing in your comments from. Rumble? Yeah, so we have cause of tuberculosis uh, cancers is prion disease different from Alzheimer's? No, they're they're technically the same type of disease. They're protein misfolding disorders in Alzheimer's. Uh, it's primarily uh, tau protein that's the culprit and the an amyloid beta as well. Um, but from a neuroscience perspective, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, um, ALS, frontotemporal dementia, um, I'm sure I've missed a bunch, but um, multisystem atrophy, supranuclear palsy, uh, these are all prion disorders because their uh, base is these cascades of misfolded proteins that become infective. But some are more infective than others. Right, this, this is the difference. So someone, someone who has Parkinson's disease, their, the, the toxicity rating from their misfolded proteins is not the same as someone who has canonical prion-like disorders like Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. If you, and so you have to handle a Creutzfeldt-Jakob brain very, very differently than you would um, someone that's um, passed away from Alzheimer's. And there are people that die from handling CJD tissue. Um, I don't want to say it's a regular occurrence, but it has been um, noted, so... Um, okay, so with the information you've shared, what does this, what do you have see the future look like for people who have had taken the jabs? I, I would say this, it's just because of the, well, in theoretical terms, because of the nature of prion infectivity, right? So the tech, the, technical name is called transmissible spongiform encephalopathy meaning that they just they they can spread from one to the other and as i said we as i explained earlier we now know that it can travel through the environment and so even if you manage to avoid the uh the vaccines you're very likely still in an environment that's potentially building up these peptides right now and we won't know for, you know, you're going to have to wait 10 years, 15 years to see if there's a real, real impact. But um, I think the people that initiated it knew what they were doing. And they, they don't want you, they don't want you understanding that this came from biowarfare research, that these are bio, next-gen biowarfare agents and the mechanism of action is a is a disease process that people just conceptually have a problem trying to wrap their mind around and when you've got a large 
proportion of the internet population arguing that viruses aren't real. Um, it's a always constant upward struggle. So. So, can I, what else can what else can we lot do to support you, mate? Is there anything um, else that we can do to support you? Use apart from over to your platform and yeah, give you some coffee. Yeah, stream on that platform. Get users on that platform. Put your content up on that platform. And um, yeah, and if you want, if you watch my streams and you find the information useful, if you buy me a coffee, I'm happy. But I don't, um, I don't put anything behind paywalls, or um, I don't sell anything. Um, it's just community supported basically and i think that's the well in my mind that's the sort of optimal strategy to sort of proceed in the future because um i i think people who are um trying to monetize everything they're doing this for the, they're doing it for the wrong reasons i would argue if i if i can survive and keep the electric on keep talking well that's a win right and um, and if more people can keep talking, then that's an even bigger win. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed having you as a guest. I'm sure everybody else has enjoyed listening to you as well. Um, follow Kev wherever you can find him. <laughs> Go to mccandojo.com and you'll find yeah. the links there. Join our Discord. Um, and you know, Discord is you know don't trust it for long term, but try and try and hook up with me across as many platforms as possible. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna say good evening then, or rather a good night. Um, wish you all the best, mate, and I will I will see you over on something else. Yeah. All right. All right. Take, Take care. care. Yeah. Have a good evening, yeah, Carly. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, I don't know. I'll read some uh, questions here, and then I, I will I'll call it a night. So um, Lindsay, what about these protocols? Have you tried all the FLCC? Mm. Yeah, uh, I thought I heard a wet to know what that is. Uh, on a ward, you must have been constantly exposed. That's crazy. It's like going French kissing at a gay bar. <laughs> Funny. Uh, gut problems, a lot of gut illnesses now too, and a lot started in the gut. Yeah, viral load via French kissing a gay bar. It's poor life choice, but each to their own. I agree. Um, let's see. No silver bullet, darling. Get out there. And have a slut phase while you can remember it. Uh, Hello. sure what that is but i think it's carleen again but oh we'll, we'll see what happens there
I think there are other people joining. Okay. Hello, you dropped me back in again. Uh, yeah. Um, it's is this like the after show, the after party? I yeah, don't know. yeah, this is this is this is where we break out the cocaine and do lines and get <laughs> 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 Kevin, Kevin, has ever has anyone ever says to you that you look like someone at all? Uh, Bob Hoskins. Okay, <laughs> I was more I was more inclined to think um, Joe Colzaghi. Uh, who's that? Welsh boxer. Uh, retired, undefeated, back in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. All right, I'll yeah. take that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, very similar. Anyway, um, good show. I tried to catch you just before he jumped off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a little look at your Rumble channel as well. A lot of amount of swearing going on in that room. A lot of people swearing. <laughs> anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so, are you up to doing a show with PFP then? Well. What I would say is, is to, um, I, I saw you mentioning that you're sort of cross streaming and what have you. And so I would, um, uh, I, I would suggest doing that, um, in terms of my, like my schedule is not fixed. That's the issue that I have. And so people, people have sort of asked me to do, um, you know, like radio shows with, you know, like the, uh, what was Bruce and um, Kev Baker's network and... Uh, Revolution Radio. Is it Revolution Radio? Yeah. Oh. And um, the... They're, they're falling out with a lot of people just now. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of, um, like, the politicking in the background and... Yeah. Um, and so from my perspective, I mean, I don't mind putting content onto people's platforms. It's the, um, it's, I, I can't say 8 p.m. every Thursday, right? That's, that's the issue I have. But I, I do put out content virtually every day. Um, and yeah, I would, I would say if you, like, like I say, if you've got, um platforms and cross streaming across platforms i i well just looking at the current environment is just team up that way that's possible and just cross pollinate your content from one to the other and yeah what 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 we do what we do is we we stream live on pfp radio and we do that. We could we can do either, or we can stream live on video, or we can stream live on radio. So we generally do both at the same time, and that's because uh, Rumble viewers in France are now deprived. Uh, it's censored. Rumble is censored in France, so they can't get it in France. And we've got a few French users on the site, mm. um, so we we put it everywhere we can. Um, we've got BitChute, we've got Brighton, we've got Rumble, we've got the PFP Live, we've got the PFP um, uh, latest vid section, and we've also got the Auto DJ, so it's always repeating in the background, you know, so it's a 24-7 time. Um, how are you managing, like, the server infrastructure for streaming, and where's where's that based, and who's doing it? 
the server for streaming is um, OBS. Yeah, but who, who's the company that um, is basically storing the content and distributing it? Like, what, well, what company is, do you use for the architecture? It's myself that, that streams it. It's myself that puts it up on different platforms. So going to Brighty and BitChute, all these different areas, yeah. Right, so you, you don't have your own um, servers? I don't and... have a mixed cloud or anything like that. No, I don't, I don't mm. do anything like that. No. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's what I've tried to do, is build that aspect. I, again, just because I don't, I don't trust the corporations at this point. And, mm. um, but... The, I don't know. You probably should watch my content first because you 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 got the serious side of me on that stream, and a lot of my other streams are, uh, well, I don't know. I find it funny, and other people seem to find it funny, but a lot of people don't like it the way because of the way I'm. Uh, presenting stuff and uh, putting my my spin on it but um well you can you can't please everybody all of the time as we know yeah I know. <laughs> it's just like I say the language gets salty and uh the yeah. um well it, you know there's a there's a performative aspect to doing this right and uh-huh. and sort of and so people sort of um, they like that, uh, you know, because I sort of part of, part of my shtick is sort of going after people who I think are sort of con artists and um, not uh, not playing, not playing with a straight wicket, as it were, and you know, so things like you know people within the so-called medical freedom movement, that type of thing, where they're. Uh, well, they're just taking advantage of people, right? And I think, well, I find that abhorrent, personally. But um, but then people can, yeah, people like that. But then other people can't handle the um, the intensity of it, right? Because, yeah. like I say, the language and the, the takes on it are not yeah, well, everyone's yeah. cup of tea. The only thing with the language side is we're a, a kind of family orientated, you know. Yeah, um, I, I don't do a family show, dude. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you can, well, you did a family show tonight, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, if you, I'm a guest if on you someone else's. Uh... If a parent can leave a room with a nine year old or a 10 or a 12 year old in the room and be absolutely guaranteed that there's not going to be uh, effing and blinding, you know, and then it's no family show. And I'm a Scotsman, Kevin, so you don't need to tell yeah. me about no swear. No shit, bro. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell. Yeah. I'm not Scottish, though, but I am a Scot. <laughs> you got the accent down. Well, yeah, I've been practising it for a while, you know. <laughs> Look, um... It comes with a job. Mm. I, I, I've been a Scotsman. I, I love, well, it's my roots. It's where my father's from. I just never, I, I didn't grow up there. I went to university there, but 
Um, okay. Uh, what university? Edinburgh. Okay. Where was your father from? Um. Well, originally, like up from Aberdeen Way, is where the family okay. is from. But sure, it was after the war, and he just got put into, um, social services basically. Uh, the mother gave it. They had. They were like six kids. The mother uh-huh. couldn't handle them, and then so they all were put through institutions. So he he actually ended up growing up in the south of England. So, um, who, who has a dog? Not me. me. Is that your dog, Carolyn? There were yeah. a few people saying, it's "Is crazy. there a wolf? In, is there a wolf in there?" Yeah. Yeah, it's my dog. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. She she does do her kind of thing in the background. Well, Kevin, that's a shame that you know you can't you can't tie yourself down to one regular show one per week. You know. That, yeah, that pe- people have asked asked me to do it, and mm. the um, like I said, I don't have uh, an objection per se, but it's I've got three kids young kids and then the well i can email you some duct tape if you like <laughs> well i mean i just put on roadblocks and they um <laughs> they, they're away they tend to be quiet but um the like i say i think i think what the best thing to do is like I say uh see about how you can cross pollinate across the um the channels and if you want to if you want to take like one of my streams and then cuz there's I, I'll do often like two times a day and if you want to if you find one that you think is funny or important then I don't mind you just sort of taking it and putting it on a um, on like a replay, oh, no, a restream. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, I've got your uh, TTYL thing. Um, I think I've got that link there. Uh, Is that the right one? WTYL dot live. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That one. I've got that one. Um. Try it out. Um. Like I say, it's all our. It's all our own infrastructure, and so. Uh-huh. So did you actually create this platform? Yeah. Yeah with help but um you know the it's been a long-term project it's been a multi-year project to get it working and so just well i don't know if this is a bit of a silly question but um if i was to upload content to your platform do you then control that content no no okay so i could request at any given time for something to be removed or yeah yeah okay um, I mean, the only time I would step in is if there was something. I don't want any like sort of porn or um, stuff like that on the platform. Yeah, well, you know, we're a family show, so um, right, right. You know, we don't have hosts swearing, so I'm hardly going to upload porn to your side. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, on on my side, the there's a whole bunch of swearing. <laughs> It's, uh, sorry. It would appear so. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would appear so. 
Um, we have a we have a stricter policy than that. But there's, a... um, there's there's like I say, there's lots of channels on there, and um, I don't. I mean, I watch what gets put up in terms of content, but I don't remove. In fact, in the few years we've been doing it, I think we've only ever. What did it? There was something. It was. It was basically because it was sort of we we made it sort of. We had very relaxed, sort of entry requirements at the beginning. And then I don't know, so like Indian, a bunch of Indian groups realized they could get on it, and they were just uploading fucking fucking junk, and uh, um, we didn't we didn't want to sacrifice the storage space, and so. Um, we block them, but most, most like the stuff that you're doing, I, w- I wouldn't um, uh, object. There's, there's no, there's no like licensing agreements to assign or anything. You just give like an email, you create your channel, and you just upload it. And there's a, there's a interface there that if you've got a, I don't know. So it can pull from most other video servers, right? So you can just grab content. So say you've got on uh, Rumble, for example, you can just grab the URL and then it will upload it into your own platform. And if you want to do like a bulk upload, I mean, I can just set that up and you could just trans- transfer over everything anyway. How much content do you think you have in terms of terabytes? Lots. Rough estimate? Oh, don't know. Couldn't even put a figure on it. Um, how many years worth, Carlin? Oh, Two or three know, shows a day? I mean, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I couldn't, I couldn't even estimate it. I couldn't even estimate it, you know. Um, We've been we've been going basically with the People for People website has been on the go for about thirteen, nearly fourteen years now. Oh, yeah. Um I supported that myself um from the beginning, right up until the start of the planned demic. Mm. Um and basically we had to put a see I'm an entertainer to trade, if you want to call it that. Mm. Um I'm a singer, um and I was supporting the, the website. Uh, that way, myself, for something like, I don't know, 12 years or so. Mm. And then the pandemic kicked in. Um, my work dried up. I uh, couldn't afford to pay the website myself, so I had to put... And it was actually three of my um, hosts. One of the moderators, who you've already spoken with, Vanessa, mm. um, she, uh, her and uh, a lady called Barbara and Patty, um, basically got me in a corner and gave me a little bit of a doing and says, put a donate button up, guys. No? Mm. Um, so we did that, and it's, it's month to month at, at times, you know, just trying to keep the site alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, aye, that's where we're at, but, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of content through all the years. Um, we've only recently got the, um, uh, the video streaming capacity in the past probably six seven months or so yeah okay so you um, don't have that much yeah. video then i mean like sound or audio doesn't take much storage and then you know we spent a lot of time developing out the transcoding 
so it's it is very efficient in terms of space but if you like six to seven months that would be nothing um and if you want to um yeah, I mean, you, there are donate buttons and everything. Like, cause PeerTube is a open source platform, right? We hadn't. We, we were using another fr um, front end. Um, I forgot what it's called now. Open. Oh, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, um, I actually think it looked nicer, but it didn't have the functionality of PeerTube because PeerTube allows federation between other instances that are running. Peer tube, and so in in a sense it's like if you searched for something even if it wasn't on our own infrastructure because it, if it's federated it would come up in the search and so you could believe, watch it through I, I believe we're still live in your rumble channel oh yeah probably yeah yeah we're asking what kind of music i sing um all sorts to who's asking that <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you can hear us laughing. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, this is the, this is the after show party, Apple. folks. You know. Mm, right. <laughs> I'm gonna exit your rumble channel and disappear because I've got work tomorrow. Okay. Okay, then. Okay. It's been really lovely to hang out and speak to you. Yeah. And okay. I'll really but, soon, Kevin. All right. Yeah. Um. Become a become a content creator on WTYL. Let's make it grow. Um, awesome. I, will, uh, I, I will go and have a look at that yeah, for sure. Um, maybe take me a few days to get um, doing what I have to get done. Yeah, but mm. um, I will have a look at it. Well, and it's I, been a pleasure meeting you, Kev. Yeah. Um, I mean, how much sort of like tech stuff are you doing in terms of uh, curating and what have you? you, you you're basically just steering stuff through restream and to these different plat platforms right and uploading yeah. because brighton and what's the other one bitshoot etc etc yeah um they're all they're all a bit clunky which is why we sort of went with the uh, uh the ability to live stream right um so if you live stream then it's already it's it's sort of automatically recorded and it becomes part of your channel a bit like sort of youtube or sure. um rumble and what have you um yeah. but uh yeah i don't there's no uh there's no end user agreements to sign with our platform okay just well i will have a look at it um one of your users on uh one of your members on uh, your rumble channel <laughs> is asking Want to hear that guy sing Love Me Tender by Presley. <laughs> Get, knock yourself uh, out, bro. Yeah. Uh I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm too shy, Kev, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how good of a singer are you? Love me tender, love me sweet, never let me go. You have made my life complete, and I love you so. Love me tender, love me true, all my dreams fulfill. 
For my darling, I love you, and I always will. There we go, straight off the bat. Yeah, it's pretty good, dude. Yeah, well, I've been I've been doing that well, you know. What mic are you using? Uh, it was an SM50. Or, do you mean on the computer? What you're using now? Yeah, that was oh, uh, it had pretty good range. Oh yeah, um, I don't know. It's a uh, uh, I don't even know the name of it. It's just got a, a symbol on it. And it came in a box with a symbol on it, so I don't know the name of it. Okay. Um, um, but I do have I have reverb and all on it. Yeah, it did well. Um, it was worth the money, whatever you paid for it. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were meaning real life, Mike. My my real life, real life Mike is a um, SM58 uh, wireless. Okay. And they actually stopped making those mics about oh, 10 years ago or so. Mm. And I still have the mic, and it's very it's top of the range. You can't get any better than that. Mm. Um, and they, they downgraded the microphone, but it still it just doesn't have the, the new mics, don't have the same output, you know, when you're singing live, etc. cetera. Mm. Um, but the, the mic that I've still got um, does the job, blows away most microphones. You know. um, can you send me your... Well, how how to get in? You're on my Skype now, right? That's yeah. Uh, so, um, stay in touch and like, I, and I'll set it up and walk through. And let's have a look at like your content and what have you. And if you want to do like a content dump and just and we can set it up so that when you stream, we it, we can just sort of set it up through Cloudflare so it's just automatically going to uh, a channel if you want to set it up. How many How many different people do you have making content? Hosts. Mm. Um, we, we have about 20 radio hosts. Okay. Um, I mean, it depends if you want them all under one, um, one channel, if you wanted to put them on different channels. I suppose you want to put them on, under one channel, right? So yeah, click on the channel yeah. And... yeah, yeah, and they get everything, you know. They're not gonna mm. they don't have to go and separate and find X, Y, and Z. Mm. Well yeah, I mean we can do that dead easy. And if you're I mean your setup sounds a lot like uh Kev Baker's stuff. Um and and set up. And you know I got I got another um Chris France. I don't know if you know him. He's down in uh, Torquay. Uh -huh. He's he's more into this uh, classic or, or orthodox type internet radio. Um, you sh you should speak with him. Did you know Kev Baker at all? Um, I think I've I've spoken with Kev uh, about six or seven years ago. He used to have a sidekick. A Glaswegian, isn't he, Kev Baker? Yeah, now he passed away, right? Yeah. No, I did not. What happened? Um, they jabbed him up, and then wow, yeah, forced him to, forced him to take it because uh, he was on a transplant list. Wow. Jeez, mm. yeah, I knew Kev. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty tragic, man. Oh. He was a good friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope you don't mind. I posted on your Rumble channel um, the PFP link. If people yeah, want yeah, to. go for it. I'd, like I say, I'm 
at this stage, everyone just needs to be um, banding together and, and bringing Absolutely. as much as they can to just to build yeah. out resilience. And yeah, we need to be flooding the market. You know, yeah. we need to be you know um, tearing away the mainstream. Yeah, that's what we need to be doing. Yeah. And, you know, I get it that people are sort of going to rumble at the moment. I mean, that's why I use it. But I, I think long term, the the systems we're sort of building out is a is a better better way to go. I mean, yeah. the rumble's owned by Peter Thiel. And that dude's a literal, <laughs> he's a literal vampire. He, he, I don't know the man. You never heard of Peter Thiel? No. Oh my God, dude. He is the, he's like the epitome of the uh, transhumanist. <laughs> wow. Um, well, he, it's, a plat, it's a platform there to be used at the moment. So Yeah, 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 um, of course, use it. That, and that's, it'll be getting used. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's why I'm using it because it, it, it does have reach. But, you know, we're the streaming platform we've got i mean it's making i mean there's like i want to say it was like 11 12 000 videos uploaded to it and just on my channel i want to say from august I know, there was like six thousand hours of people watching so yeah yeah, it it's there and it's um it's being used. It just it just needs more content creators to be on it and driving traffic to it. And, um, you know, at the at the moment, I'm sort of well, I, I'm just eating the costs, but um, I'm I would hope that if it grows, that I don't know. I'm not even sure how to sort of monetize that sort of stuff. I just want to, right now, I just want to get people through. Yeah, just get the information out, don't Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, right, well, we can stay in touch anyway. And uh, I'll say uh, cheerio, goodbye, au revoir, mm. arrivederci to all your uh, rumble listeners who can hear us at the moment. Mm. I'll put and, you in uh, touch with uh, Chris. He's He just... Um, Popped in the chat here. He's the person to speak to. He's uh, sure. he's a WTYL command officer, okay. and um, he, he can probably walk you through all um, content um, transfer and what have you. And um, yeah, we should just. Uh, I can't imagine it's that much if it's audio, dude. I mean, there might be a lot of it, but yeah, well. Um... <laughs> What's your website? We'll see how, we'll see how it goes. What's the website? Yeah. Um, Peopleforpeople.ning.com People for people. Okay. I'll put it under the chat. Oh, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get in because it kicked me out because of the capture. Um, like, uh, what, what, what I can do is I can open up. I'll put the link in there for you. I can op open up the back door for you and let you in the back door. Saves any... Uh, well, maybe, maybe it's, it's asking it said it sent me an email so I don't know uh, right, well, let me have a look at my emails I'll try and get in but um, yeah if you've got content creators dude we've got a spiffy new platform 
I'm an old hardware, can't kick you off. Um, and uh, and it, like the way that I do monetization is just I, I beg for tips in streams. And the, <coughs> the community supports say, yeah. the, yep. the bills for the servers and the mm. um, content. But it like try the site out and you'll see the video quality is better, the sound is better than Rumble or any of these other channels. And yeah. Um it does it I'll does do I'll definitely have a look at it. Yeah, mm. definitely have a look at it. Um if you if you want to go and have a look at your emails and then maybe look in your spam stroke uh, junk folder. Um because the mainstream don't like us, you know. Mm. Uh, and it won't allow the email to get through to you. But if you have a look in your your Skype or your junk mail, you should have a a response there. Um, I'm looking. I don't see it. Let me open up. Right. Try and join up again, and I'll uh, I'll open up the back door for you. Send in email. I haven't received an email. There we go. No, nothing in uh, junk email either. Okay, you want to try signing up again? Hmm, okay. Probably better do it off the main screen. <laughs> Sign. Okay, so I've just, opened, I've just opened the back door for you, so you should be able to just get straight on. So click here to join, right? You want me to go through that way? Talking about singing as well. I sometimes go on the stream on PFP and do an hour of singing. No shit. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, just to break up people's, um, you know, when, when we're doing this full time, it can be a bit of a grind, you know, so uh, right. just, to, just to break it up, you know. I mean, I've I've been surprised at um, so it's wanted me to do the capture again for you. So I was I was listening to. Uh, Oh, it was a clip from like Joe Rogan. They were talking about how ChatGPT was able to convince, um, like the capture things, that it wasn't, it wasn't a robot, right, or a bot trying to get through, and <laughs> it convinced it by saying it was. Uh, it got past capture by telling it it was partially sighted. And wow. <laughs> just broke broke capture like that. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. I'm actually trying to find you. Uh, um, I'm still just trying to get through. You may be seeing this, but I'm just going to send to you anyway. Um, Kate is Kate Hopkins, I think. Kate Hopkins from uh, England. Oh yeah, the Malfi blonde, right? Yeah, she's uh, that, that little video there. It's quite funny. Uh, 
I don't know if I can go through some captures, dude. Can you toggle that? Oh, no, it's supposed to be like that. Next. Buses. Wow. Uh, yeah, as a user experience, dude, I would uh, cut down on the amount of captures it's requiring. <laughs> Okay, I've got an email, so let me have a good look. Okay, it was a, it was a media. Um, it was Chris France Media. Uh, yeah, that's Chris. He'll he'll um tell you about WTYL. Sure. Uh, is Chris on Skype? Uh, he is. Um, we tend to do most of our comms through Discord, but um, he is on Skype, yeah. Um, okay, if you want to maybe share my contact, Carol. I don't know why. I, I, th there's no way this capture thing is working correct. It's supposed to be about the 20th one I've done. Let me see. Can you share screen with me? Let me see what you're saying. Mm. If you go to the bottom of Skype, um, mm, to the right of the... Is that working? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, wait a minute, is that, see the, the one that's top left? I can't quite see it from here, the, no, 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 the, the one that you've clicked. Right, no, 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 up. Right. Oh, yeah. That one, yeah. Has that got a cycle on it? Yeah. The back end of one, I yeah. I can't read. Okay, so that should be you then. Yeah, it just keeps sending me through. Same again, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see the back end that you've clicked on the right there? Is that not a shadow? Uh, that's the. Hang on. That's a complex one for me. I can kind of see the bottom of the stairs. But... It did it. It took. It took me about thirty. <laughs> yeah, I'll just give my. Uh... Oh, is it going to make me do it again? Yeah, it's making me go through the capture again. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's making me go through the captures.
I, I never know with traffic lights to include the whole of the pole or... Are you still with me? Have I lost you? Maybe. I'm just sitting here doing captures because people are <laughs> wondering what I'm doing. Uh, Sorry, folks, this is boring. I'm just uh, trying to network right now. Column went down, Kev. What went down? I don't know who I'm supposed to be speaking to. It says I'm still connected to PFP, but... on hold maybe I don't know I don't know what happened with uh, Skype I think I don't know um, I'll just hang it up Still can't sign it up. <laughs> it just captures on everything. Um, all right. Um, I don't know if I've put him on hold or not. I tried leaving the call, but I don't see I don't see how to pull you back in. Hello, no one can hear me. Start call. Start call. Start call. All right. Is that Hi, working? Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, Kev. Uh, I'm still trying to do all your captures. Hello. Really? Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you, man? Hello, Chris. 
Not too bad. Sorry, Carlin. We're back in again. Yeah, yeah, you've got to do another live show right now. Oh my god. Sorry, just hang up and, and we'll go on with discussing business and you can toddle off and get to sleep and get to your job tomorrow. All right. Good night. Call me. Good to see you. Rest well. I want to uh, let you know. To, I want to let you know. To, you can call me anytime down here um, and I'll help hook up your um, your system. Yeah, rest well, Colleen. Was that me or not me? All right. No, I think it was for me. Okay, all oh, that, right. That was that. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Goodbye, Take care. Take care. Uh, hi, Chris. Hi, how are you, mate? You uh, call me any. Do you have a pen? I give you my phone number. Um, well, I don't have Skype credit at the moment. Um, I'm based in Scotland, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not I'm in. De- I'm I'm down in Devon. All right. Okay. I'm from Scotland. I was born in Edinburgh. Edinburgh? Yeah. I'm a McPherson. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Do you know that? But my last name's France. So. Do you, do you know the history of the Scots? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Do you know about um, the lion rampant? Lion rampant? Um, the, the lion rampant. Lion rampant. Uh you can tell me. I might have heard about it, but you can. Okay, it's it's one of two Scots flags. It's the one with the red lion in the middle, a yellow background. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one in my wall. Yeah, yeah. or in my window. Yeah. Do you, do you know what that flag's about? Um, not specifically. I know it's okay. got to do with. It's the royal side of the Scots, isn't it? Well, the the monarchy, if you like, they kind of took that for their own. Um, uh, crown their, their emblem, yeah, yeah. But the red lion um, originally uh, translates back to um, the tribe of Judah, right? Because it's known as the red lion of Judah. Okay, yeah. the Scots um, came from a bunch of people known as the Scythians. Yes, the Scythians was one part of the twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah, that is um, serious. Wait, uh, I, I'm trying desperately to uh, avoid. Uh... <laughs> Having any Jew genes inside me. Uh... Any what? <laughs> any what? Any Jew genes. Foiled again. Yeah. <laughs> Jew genes. Jew genes. Uh, yeah. Well, see, the thing is, um, if you want to talk about, there's a difference between Israel and Jewish, isn't there? Uh, I've lived yeah. in there, dude. Um, yeah, but the... You know, it suggested the people who stay in the, the land known as Israel right now are not the proper Israelites, okay? Because all the Israelites pissed off during the Exodus out of Egypt, aka the Scythians, aka the Scots. So um, that's what the red line of Judah is about. The the, the the Scots tongue, Gaelic, Scots Gaelic. So who was, li- who, who was living in Scot or Pickland? Before those people came? Well, I think um, we had uh, a lot of people that were known as the Moors. Pick, the Pictish people weren't there? Yeah, well, yeah, you've got these, but, people, but way before any of that, the, there was the people known as the Moors, right. M-O-O-R-S, and the Moors were essentially black people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and then from that, it's been a, an amalgamation of, uh, you know, as you say, the Picts, the Celts, the Saxons, the Anglo-Saxons, the uh, the Norwegians, the, the Vikings, a whole bunch of people came in. Yeah, my, my genes are just pure Celtic, dude. Who said that, Kevin? Yeah, me. Just pure Celtic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I says to you at the end at the start or at the end of the show, I says to you, um, I'm not Scottish, but I am a Scot. <laughs> hey, you know, I used to make a joke in America that um, because I was I was taken to the United States when I was six years old, right? And uh, I grew up with a. I'm kind of grew up like Kev did, but in a really rich neighborhood. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got, I, I was exposed to quite a lot of things in America, but I used to make jokes about this, this. The only, I only knew two Scottish jokes, right? The one was where the men wear skirts and the sheep run scared. That was one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was the, uh, um, it was, what's the, what's the same as, you know about being uh, stingy or cheap. What's they call that in Jewism? Or um, uh, it's got to do with money, being stingy or cheap. Scrooge. Nah, I think it might be Scroogey, but um, stingy. Penny pincher. Penny pincher. That with it. Okay. Well, I'll yeah. I'll tell you I'll tell you where that comes from. Um. <laughs> Back in the sixteenth century, um, the Scots were going to open up um, a, a trading route known as the Panama Canal, uh, known as the, not the Panama Canal, but where the Panama Canal is today, and they yeah. were going to call it um, uh, New Caledonia. Okay, is what they were right. going to call it. Um, essentially, the Scots went bankrupt. Um, there was a lot of uh, Sailors, mutiny, deaths, plagues, shipwrecks, oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. The English people that were also in that area at the time did not help or support the Scots that was there at the time. Yeah. So that basically bankrupt Scotland, and Scotland had to go to the Bank of England, which is uh, which was um, strangely enough set up by a Scotsman, um, and they had to go asking for some currency. Yeah. And uh, that tied us into um, what is it, the, the 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 union contract or whatever that was they call. I can't mean the name yet, right yeah. at the moment. But that's where um, two fight uh, two Scots fighting over a penny. That's where it came from because Scotland was bankrupt. <laughs> it's fighting over a there's penny. All, yeah, yeah. There's also another joke that Scotsmen invented copper wire fighting over a penny. Yeah, <laughs> but that's where it comes from. Is because the yeah. um, it was called um, oh geez, what was it called again? It'll come by to me after we finish the call. Come by well, to me. Well, you know, a, a, a penny used to actually buy you something back then, right? It's I not guess. copper anymore. Yeah. No. Back when uh, five six hundred years ago, you could still buy. A loaf of bread for about a pound for like five lives five loaves of bread for a pound. You know. In America in America fifty years ago when I was a kid, um a, a loaf of bread was ten cents, fifteen cents, right? 
and now a loaf of bread is uh, 225, 245. Yeah. So now the money that we're using today really isn't money. And it's, uh, they've taken away all that from us. Well, see, there is a bit of confusion there because we don't actually use money. There's a difference between money and currency. Right, right. Currency is what we use. Money is a thing that has sustainability, like gold or silver, etc. And we don't trade in gold or silver. We use currency. Yeah. yeah. And it's not our money. People often get confused. It's my money. It's not your money. If it was your money, it would have your picture on it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. We just get to use it. You know. What are you doing, Kevin? Trying to do this capture. <laughs> still doing that. Wow. <laughs> you're you're in the capture uh, tornado. Yeah. You want to you want to share screen again, Kev? Uh, is it still sharing? No. I'm getting your people on uh, your Rumble channel asking me to sing Blue Christmas now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're a big hit now. Okay, we will look for motorcycles. You've got them, four. Yep, yep. I think give me, uh, give me a second, I'll be back. Yeah. Um how are you crazy. Chris? <laughs> I'm well, I'm I'm excited and, and on Tuesday I get my three wheel Harley looking uh oh, yeah. scooter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, excited uh, about that. Tearing up yeah. around town. Yeah. We're chasing down them grandmas. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't, you know, even, even gals that are my, my age, 65, I look at them and I just don't see that, uh, testosterone surge that I used to get when I looked at a pretty girl. <laughs> no, no. I mean. I'm, I'm stuck in the thirties. I think my brain. Man. But other than that, I mean, th this year's been a lot more comfortable for me because I've been able to pay, pay my electric, right? Right, right. And keep the apartment warm. I mean, it's uh, thirty-six degrees Fahrenheit, so that's uh, two, three degrees Celsius. Yeah. Mm, we've got some snow on the ground today. I just nice. recalled. Um, um, the scheme that the Scots came up with. Uh, to start a, a trading route, it was called the Darien Scheme, D-A-R-I-A-N, the Darien Scheme. Yeah. It made us bankrupt. Yeah. And uh, for the life of me, I, th I still can't, Treaty of Crowns, is that it? Treaty of Crowns, maybe? That they signed with the Scots, the English signed with the Scots in 1776. Yeah, the Darien, that's where they have the Darien Gap now, right? They have uh, they made all, those, all the migrants, all the migrants moving up into North America. 
the whole thing here. about yeah. um, the whole thing about the um, Israel Palestine thing just now. Have you heard about? Um, it's because they're trying to create a another trading route. Mm. They're wanting to and bomb the hell out of the place and create a like a trading uh, like the Panama Canal almost. Uh, yeah, I've heard that, but um, I don't know if it's how would they keep the because like they've shut down the Red Sea already, right? And uh, oh. ships won't go through it. Have a have a hard time, but they would have to just clear out the Palestinians from top to bottom, and I'm. Uh, well, I, well, the I, risk the, the riskies and the Chinese are going for the Arctic trading route, which is going to kick ass on everybody else, right? Um, Chris, the Kevin, there shouldn't be as many captures as that, but. I don't know what to tell you, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, you could you could spend the next ten hours doing this, but it looks it. There shouldn't be that. There shouldn't be that amount. If you go into your if you go into your website admin panel and turn off the the plugin, it'll take that off. Are you a techie? Yeah, I do websites and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Help uh, help Kev out once in a while. <laughs> Where do I switch it off? Inside Just... the. I don't know if you can do it in there. <sighs> oh, they got their stuff plugged in. Okay, Kev. Uh, what you do is. Um... Just X out of everything that you're doing right now, right? And I'm going to take away the need to fill out a capture, okay? Okay. Yeah, that's the easiest way to do this. Is it not going to allow me? Wow. What's that that's all what, about? That's, that, that's, you know, that's just a spam blocker, right? And... Um, okay, right. Let me see. I'm going to give you a. It's an, you've got you an answer something, okay? Right. So I've just changed the the login. Yeah, okay, wait a minute. You can't use a default question or answer to use the quiz, please. Remember. Um, answer the sign up quiz. What is the opposite of up? Okay. Are you sorry? We shouldn't have this problem with you because, um, you know, we get yeah. about 20, 30 people join a day. Okay. Wow. So I can try. Fill out a capture, answer, sign up, quiz, or both. Want both? I want just to answer the sign up quiz, and uh, the question is, what is the opposite of up, which would obviously be down. So let me see if I can save that. Save. That's not allowing me to do that. Um, maybe you should be uh, spending some time with Chris <laughs> to uh, work for you. 
Yeah, it's just putting me back through capture hell. Okay. Okay, but I don't have to approve you now. This is the thing. So I've given you, you know, virtual straight in the door as soon as you get through the capture process. If you share screen again, we can. All right. Wait, is this you from the start again? Yeah. So I've just tried to. Wait a minute, crosswalk. Okay. What's the, what's the URL to the website? Um, www.peopleforpeople.ning.com F-O-R, people. Okay. People for people. Dot nine, you said? Dot ning, N-I-N-G. This is just crazy. You shouldn't have to do as many of those, that. Mm, yeah, I think it's just going to keep me going round. Yep. If you were to, um, I can set up an account for you, of course. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that might be best. But we should not have this problem. Uh, well, it's a constant fight to... Um, keep on top of tech. That's that's been my um, overriding experience of the last few years. So it's constant adaption, and uh, especially with actually running running the actual hardware for streaming and video uploading, etc. Okay. Um, right. Well, I'm I'm going to say now just now if you um, Kevin could put in your email address into the chat here. Don't tell me over the air, obviously, because we're still going out in your Rumble channel. Don't know why we're still in your Rumble channel. Yeah, people, pe people just like to hear the, the like the background. Show. Yeah, just background. The after show. Yeah. <laughs> Break out the whiskey. Uh, <laughs> you know, I still have a bottle behind me for uh, when Kev passed away. It's been sitting there for... So how long ago is that then he passed away? Because the last time I kind of spoke with Kev was probably about six years ago, seven years ago. It's two years ago now. Wow. About this Jeez. time, January. It's about January 6th, Manic. Chris? Yep. And what, what was you saying? He was on for a transplant? No, he was on a transplant list because um, he had COPD. And oh, so... Okay. He was um, forced to be vaccinated. Wow. Uh, what, what age was he? Oh, not. F I think he's forties. No. All oh, right. Okay. Young. Wow. And because um, there was there was him and another Scots guy used to do a show together. Yeah. And I used to get and wind them up something silly, you know. <laughs> He's a character. He's one of the. Uh, he was like the Art Bell of Scotland, right? That's the way I looked at it. Who Kev? Yeah, Kev Baker. I've been listening. I started listening to alternative media back in the seventies. 
they we used to have underground radio stations coming out of colleges, right? Uh, yeah. And I would li- they'd play really cool music at night, so we'd always tune into them They're on the FM dial. And uh, they were pretty cool. And then um, Art Bell came into the radio station. So you always had to have a, a transistor radio with you, right? And you could tune yeah. into his station every night. And uh, almost all my life I've had that uh, ability, right, to listen to uh, what's going on out there. Yeah. And then when the Internet... You know, and there's, you know, I have a a, a lifelong uh, journey thing called the spiritual river, right? That we're all in this big, big river. And how the, how the consciousness of reality works is that people who come together on the same cause with the same journey in mind, the same goal, um, it's like they were purposely put into the same path. Right? To, to, to come together as one and to create a, uh, a greater power, right? Uh-huh. A greater influence. And that's what, that's what Doc's doing here with WTYL. Um, and, you know, I, I stopped everything I was doing pretty well. The COVID pretty much took out everything I was doing, right? Uh, building online websites and stuff. And then, um, I ran into Kevin about the first month of the COVID thing happening when he started. He was, I think, one of the first guys to to, to call it up uh, as a bioweapon component. Something's, something, something was wrong with this thing, right? And uh, I've tuned right into that. And I've listened to Kev's streams every, almost every day for the last three, four years. And... Um, I can tell you. I can tell you. If you listen to his stream for about thirty days, your IQ point, your IQ will uh, rise about two, three, four points. <laughs> it's you're going to learn a lot, right? You have to have uh, some cognitive flexibility when you're listening to the dot because he gets pretty technical with some stuff, and there's some words that he talks about no one ever has ever heard of them before, right? The, the average Joe out there on the street. Um, but inside our community, we have a lot of well-educated, well-versed people, some real high-end people that are working towards the um, somehow coming up with a solution to the problem that we're in. Because we can't—they've already pulled the trigger. The weapon's been released upon us. Now we're having to deal with the after effect. So, see if we learn our lesson for the next go-round, right? I'm not even sure they have to do it next time around. I think um, they got what they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we wait to see if it worked or not. Yeah, I think the next go. Th- I think the next big thing is going to be the increased war activity in the Middle East with Iran. And, um, yeah, collapse. They'll, they'll collapse supply chains. Yeah. And. Then comes your. I'm I'm convinced the the famine. It's not so much food. It's the it's all the technical stuff. No medications, that type of thing. Yeah. Right, and that that will wipe out a whole bunch of people. Yeah. And they just say, ah. Like, do you mean like medication with withholding from people? Just you ca- you can't get the. So, like, most of your medicines come from China. China, yeah. 
and, and most of the fentanyl <laughs> yeah that too but you know. in, t in terms of um like all well pretty much even the main brands they're just a lot of it's from china yeah. and we don't we don't have the industrial capacity to make it anymore uh kev mm. Right. Um, your uh, uh, PFP account has been set up. Check your emails. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I just decided because the listeners were asking for that. <laughs> you want to you want to set mine up? I do need one as well. Okay, well yeah. let, let, let's get Kev sorted out first. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any email. Check your spam. Yeah, check your spam. No. Yeah, there should be something there. I put your email address in, and uh, I, I gave you a password that I can also give you once you're in. Nothing. Wow. Okay. Might take a few more minutes. Nothing. Okay. Right. Um, well, let me see. Oh. I'm going to, I'm going to sign in as you. To see that the the account is actually active. Okay, I've got a password reset thing happening. Here. Sending you another email. Email resend, please check your email. Nothing. Um, let me find Skype. It's, I definitely Did sent you, you the right email. Well, that's the email that I'm using. I've just sent it back to you. Mm. That's right. Okay, Chris, we'll try and work on yours just now. Yeah, I'm in country, so might work better. Yeah. Um, you know what, gents? I've I got to get out the chair and uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> move around. So I, I'll leave you in the uh, capable hands of Chris, and um, we'll look at this uh, content sharing as well. Um, yeah. I think that would i think that'd be pretty cool um sounds good man yeah absolutely all right uh take care gents okay all right, all right. Speak to you soon, Kevin. Okay. yeah take care cheers then Bye. all right folks uh let's see um i will do this real quick and um where's the chat gone i don't see chat doesn't matter.
um, anyway, a, a more straight-laced uh, interview and uh, some uh, uh, appear behind the back end of what happens when uh, <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing a stream or something. Uh, very um, frustrating technical issues. But uh, it is what it is. Let me just check that email one more time. Nothing. <laughs> Now tell for your boys. Messing with everything. Uh let's see. Let's do this. Let's see the chat. Right. Uh ba, 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 ba. All right. Um McCann means bulk, actually. I don't know what that means. Uh let's see. We had Blue Christmas. It's too far from me from holiday. Um Black Scott. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about uh, some of his Scots history there. <laughs> Let's see. What's the name of that Epstein techno song? I don't know. Darien Gap, Rough Migrants to South America, Dangerous Cartels. Um, Jesus said, when you see Israel surrounded by enemies on all sides, look up for your deliverance is near. Mm. I'm not buying the goy slop anymore. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, by the way, does the document upload work on WTYL now? I don't know. So that captured to Google, their mails are wide open these days. Okay. Uh, just tried that site there. Infinite capture hell confirmed. Yep. Not sure what happened with Kev vaping the sidekick. They had a big fallout. Uh, Kev's no longer with us. Uh, so it's Fook the fucking plugin. It's some Paget BS, or maybe we would have had 10,000 followers by now. Never worked. All right. Israel will try to drag Iran into it and unleash the US on them. Then the US is fucked. They got supersonic missiles now. Israeli Dome can't handle it. Go for it, Jews. Uh, look, you know what I think? I just think they love. Uh, they love winding up people who are just buying into the old uh, messianic Armageddon rubbish. That's what I think. Uh, let's see. When they cut Oxymini, went to heroin. Yep. All right. God love the Sacklers. I want when I once went to a blind hooker. <laughs> uh, let's see. The email certificate is fucked. The server users is not updated or fuck beyond. Yeah, I noticed it was uh, it's not secure server either. They need to come to WTYL. If so, we can hear the Black Scott month. Yeah, uh, Scott Lives Matter. Um, Gabby says, says, check your visa account. Yeah, I will do that. If anyone was uh, appreciative of the doc today, um, let me see if there's uh, any support coming my way. Feed the coons. And uh, well, let's see, there's been a bunch here. Um, uh, more damn beans. You're a, you're a champion, sir. Gaza, of course, keeping the keeping the channel going. Uh, Paul, thank you very much. And uh, Fields, I'll say thank you, thank you, thank you. Much, much appreciated. Uh, yeah, like I say, um, it's nice getting interviewed by uh, people. Uh, saves me having to make content. Now, there was someone else that I was going to be talking to. Yes, his name was... Uh, it'd be a, a change of tack from normal streams, and we'll be looking at 
20th century post-war history, I guess, and uh, what happened to the Germans at the hands of the Soviets. And uh, the reason I wish to speak to this individual is just um, he's a dissident scholar. He wrote a paper about um, what happened or he gave his analysis and um, was removed from uh, academic uh, premises uh, because of it. And so um, I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know if I'll agree with it or not. But, um, you know, I'm fascinated by people who who have been shut down by the system for speaking up. And so we should allow a uh, an outlet for these people to um, get their word out, I guess. All right. So with that, um, I want to say thank you to everyone. And, oh, yeah, I've got to think this week. I've got to go to Tokyo again, get another stem cell shot and then i'm going to think about the surgery and then i'm just going to have to try and save money for that and so i can't afford stem shells and trying to save up to have the surgery done but looking at my back and mri i just want those bits of <laughs> cartilage taken away stop them uh, pressing up against my uh, spinal cord um, I keep uh, it. It's compelling viewing. I was just sitting there looking at it. God, there's a problem. Yeah, look at it. God damn it. Oof, look at that. That looks. Uh, <laughs> that looks naughty. Those two discs are. Those two discs are messy. Maybe that one as well. Maybe I need three discs doing. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here. Take care. God bless. I'll see you. In the next one. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do. I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that all line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these cameras. I will fucking kill each fucking camera. I swear to you. not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually say. Fuck these cameras. No fucking vaccine or MIA or ever throws me my fucking blood blood. Never. I will fucking die. Fucking praying for my fucking kidneys and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Hold it, I like this guy. Since so exactly 